Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome, uh, everybody. This is episode 172 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, I'm really excited because I have not seen or talked to this man in over a decade. We've established this before you came in. And you were one of my favorite professors at, at Plattsburgh State. Um, and from what I remember of you back then already in the last probably 10, 15 minutes you've been here, nothing seems like it's changed except we've probably gotten a little older, but that's about it. So um, my guest today, Jason Lee, he is a distinguished teaching professor of accounting at SUNY Plattsburgh. Um, has, and I'll, I, I won't give too much away. I'll let him do most of the talking, but Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. My honor here. <laughs> and this is your, you said your first podcast experience. Oh, yes. But, but you've listened to a few. Uh, probably six, seven, eight of them. Now, taking mine off the table, have you ever listened to other podcasts or not into podcasts? Well, actually, I listened to some podcasts in the past, you know, but most of them they are related to uh, some, some, sometimes something on CNN, I remember, or some, some websites. And beyond that, uh, you know, I have some podcasts probably from, yeah, all over the place online. Okay, so, <laughs> so, uh, so Jason, for people that do not know you, kind of give us, tell us who you are, give us a little background of you. Okay, I'm. Uh, yeah, that's very interesting. My my family history has uh, has been very, very complicated. <laughs> all right. First of all, I'm uh, I came to the United States in 1998, and um, I'm I'm an immigrant, and I, I came to the United States for for getting a PhD degree in accounting, and thereafter I decided to uh, stay in the USA. So I've been traveling from uh, okay, relocated from Ohio to. Louisiana, and then to uh, to New York State. So everything actually, I I moved here around sixteen years ago. So I've been living in North Country and uh, in Plattsburgh area for sixteen years. Unbelievable! Time and flies. Do you like it up here? Well, actually, this place is quite uh, similar to my hometown. Your hometown? If yeah. You, where back back in Taiwan? Back in Taiwan. Yeah, actually, I come from Taiwan, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not even from the city area of Taiwan. So I'm from the country area of Taiwan. So my hometown is basically a tourism city okay. in, uh, in eastern Taiwan, a rural area. But it's very beautiful, just like this area in Plattsburgh. Does it get cold? Well, it's obviously, <laughs> it's subtropical weather. So okay. it's funny that, uh, our, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's right beside West Pacific Ocean. So you can see, sometimes see some uh, coconut trees. You know, okay. in southern area, but uh, you can see the snow on the mountain. Is Taiwan south of Japan? It's right between uh, Japan and Korea. Japan and uh, it's actually ja- between Japan and Philippines. Okay. So. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, have you heard of Okinawa? Yeah. Yeah. Okinawa is between Taiwan and Japan. Taiwan. Yeah. And so is that a, and I, again, my my geography of uh, Eastern uh, Asia is is that an island? Yeah, Ocean that's an island. Yeah, it's about the size of thirty uh, percent of New York State. Seventy percent. Okay. Thirty percent. Thirty percent. Oh, thirty percent. Yeah, thirty percent. Is that its own country? Well, that's a complicated question. So whenever I talk about this one, people will be depends on the 
the listeners, my oh. audience, yeah, okay. Chinese audience, they will be mad at me okay. because I would say, yes, we are independent. Yeah, yes, we are independent because we are we have our own government and we have our own troops. Everything, no influence of uh, Chinese communists. This is Taiwan. Yeah, this this is Taiwan. So it's a one hundred percent democratic country. Just same as the states for the most part. Kind of the same level of government. Uh, actually, I believe that our democratic system is better now. Than the United Taiwan. States. Yeah. It probably is, because the United States has been a little crazy the last few years. So, um, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. So, but ta- Taiwan, is Oceanawa part of Taiwan, or is that, again, like I said, my geography is terrible. So, okay. uh, Oceanawa is its own island. Yeah, Okinawa is a, is a Okinawa. Sm- much smaller island, but okay. uh, with the U.S. Air Force over there. And uh, probably one hour to two hours away by boat from, from Okinawa, that would be, that would be Taiwan. And okay. Taiwan is a huge island. It, it has ancient name, Formosa. Say it again? Formosa. You, you know, Spanish people, okay. Spaniards, they call Taiwan Formosa. Um, and what's Mos- Mosa? Yeah, for, Formosa. And what's that? It, that means beautiful island. Beautiful island, okay. Yeah, beautiful so island. So how, how big is Taiwan geographically? Uh, that's a 30% of New York State. Oh, that is 30%. Yeah, 30%. that was o- Okinawa. That's no, not, no. Okay. Okinawa so, is probably, I don't know, maybe 2%. So, so Taiwan, you can pretty much get across Taiwan in maybe, what, three, four hours? Yeah, you know, from northern tip to the southern tip, probably five hours to six hours driving. Okay, so, so you, you pretty much explored most of the island when you were living there. Well, uh, it's uh, not easy to explore the whole island because 70% of Taiwan, there are mountain areas. Okay. Yeah, so you really have to go there and climb the mountain. For example, in you know, in the subtropical weather, you will see something, you know, just like Philippines, you know, pretty coconut trees, those type of place. Mm-hmm. But uh, also you can see the mountain. They are like three kilometers, more than three, almost four kilometers high. Okay, so four kilometers, it's a, we're probably looking at about 10,000 feet. Is that about right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Something like Trying that. Trying to do the math here. You know, meter, kilometers, about 0.6 miles, right? Yeah. And then 5,000. So you're looking about 3,000. Yeah, okay. So that's 10 to 12. So those are pretty high mountains. Very high mountains. High, we can talk about the high peaks here. So about double the high peaks. Double the high peaks, yeah. Now, are you a hiker? Well, I, I did that when I was in, uh, in college. Okay. I remember that I wasn't prepared. Just my, my friend actually asked me, say, we're going to the, climb that mountain. I said, what mountain? They say, the highest one. I said, okay, I'm going to join you. <laughs> and guess what? There's your train, by the way, Jason. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't prepared at all for that, for that trip. I didn't bring anything. I saw that everything's going to be as hot as the weather, you know, summer weather, you know, on, the, on our college campus. So I went there with nothing prepared. So as soon as I get to the top of the mountain, I got a headache. Is it just because of the air and the elevation? The air, just the elevation. About oxygen? Yep, and I couldn't breathe well because it's so, you know, you know those high, high mountain yeah. things, they make you feel sick. So I was there. So that was unbelievable, unbelievable experience. And what's funny, you know that? After I returned to campus, I almost failed my midterm exam. Really? <laughs> because I wasn't prepared. So did you, so how long did it take you to hike up that mountain? Well, it's, it's like a... You know, you have to live the, on, on, on the top of the mountain for probably for one night. So I, I will say the duration, actually, you start from the middle of the mountain, not at the bottom. Okay. So, so basically a bus will take you. Your base camp is there. Yeah, yeah, base camp is there. So you have to go to the top. 
I would say that the back and forth is probably 10 hours. Wow. Yeah. But with 10 hours at a high elevation, so it's hard to breathe and you have the oxygen yeah. elevation and everything else? Yep. Okay, so... Uh, but I never regret, I almost fear failed that test. That was the best experience in my life. So it was worth almost it's failing worth, the test? Yeah, it's worth failing the test. So, so, um, <laughs> so did... Obviously, you're a very smart, uh, smart man, and you've learned a lot. I mean, has school learning education always been a high priority in your life? Well, it has been a high priority in my life. But uh, be honest with you, the reason why I become a good teacher is because actually I, I struggle so much before. As a student. As a student, yeah. So when you were a child, like school just didn't come easy to you. Well, it's it's funny. My 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 mom was elementary school teacher, so for elementary elementary school level, I was pretty good. And I'm a person that I like to read stuff, so I'm uh, very good at reading. So I enjoy reading. And uh, but my problem with uh, my education in in Taiwan was, uh, you know, it was a very competitive environment. So when when I talk about competitive, then let me start with a, a little bit of history about Taiwan. In Taiwan, actually, a lot of people don't know that actually Taiwan was the former colony of Japan before the end of World War II. Japan occupied Taiwan for 50 years after they took it over from Chinese dynasty. So a lot of my teachers, they were, they were trained by Japanese teachers. And Japan, Japanese is, a, I mean, a history of education and, and learning, right? Yep. Okay. They, are, they, are, they are trained by Japanese teachers under Jap- Japanese empire <laughs> before World War II. You know how they behave. So, so they're, they were very, like, very strict, very, you know, detail or results driven, I'm assuming? Results driven. And uh, for example, I have a teacher that, uh, you know, if we see something on the ground, a trash on the ground, mm-hmm. okay, nobody admit trash on the ground. Who did it? Nobody say anything. Five minutes later, we have a chair on, our, on the top of our head. We have to raise the chair for 10 minutes for punishment. That must have been fun. Oh, that was a, little, a lot of fun. A little kid holding up a desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one time, let me tell you, I, <laughs> I remember I, I scored like a 97. It was like a top three in the whole class. Okay? And the teacher will punish people based on the questions you missed. I answer all the difficult questions correctly, but I missed one easy one. I got hit that day. Really? Yeah. Is it, it, now, what, what's... Because I've heard this, you know, you know the uh, Asian culture with school and, and everything, it's just you, you find that there's a lot of brilliant people that come out of, out of Asia in mm. regards to education, in regards to professors, and yes. teachers, in regards... And, do you think it's the the high standard? Do you think that there, do you think that there's something to be said about, um, you know, possibly? I, I think the level of accountability they set the expectation holds you to accountable to it, and then really don't kind of let off the gas a little bit. Like it's very, it's very, very much like I guess stemming for perfection or excellence. Like you guys, you know, you learn, but it, again, in '97, you still have improvement to do. So they want to keep you to that high standard. Well, that 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 would depends on the actually is a is is a transition of culture. I would say nowadays in Asia, the new generation, the new generation teacher, they are much nicer. Okay. They're probably just like United States teachers okay. nowadays. Yeah, but in my time, actually, we have, uh, you know, 
around that time, Taiwan was a uh, was environment. You know, it's a, it's a mixture of a Japanese culture and the Chinese culture. And uh, so our teachers, they actually they are teaching in a way that will make us very accountable. So when we go to school, actually it was very very high pressure environment. Let me tell you how what kind of pressure you have. Yes. Okay, in in the third year of my middle school, in order to prepare us for getting into high school, okay, we have simulation exams. After every simulation exam. Every kid's name will be posted on the board with the first person with the high score to the last person with the lowest score. Okay. So, so everybody know where you are ranked in your class. So, and I'm assuming that just led to competition amongst amongst your peers. Yes, but also that's kind of like is so much pressure on kids too, mm-hmm. and I never enjoyed that. Let me give an example about it. You know, actually, the first year of my middle school, I, I got some trouble into my math, learning my math, because my teacher actually didn't talk about details about a lot of things. And also, uh, the, whole, the whole class actually started in the summer before, before the middle school officially starts. But I wanted to go somewhere to have fun, so I didn't attend the preschool program. <laughs> so that gave me a lot of trouble. So the, <laughs> and the, let me tell you a lot of funny thing there. <laughs> the, the first week of my class, my teacher gave me an IQ test. Okay, <laughs> IQ test, all right? Yeah. And they used the IQ test to determine where, which class you're going to be assigned to. So basically, they divide students into two different batches. Better student and worse students. And where were you bought? The funny thing is, I, <laughs> I I took it so seriously because I'm like, okay, I must prove I must prove that I have a good IQ. So I did it so seriously, I totally forgot the time. <laughs> you forgot the what? I forgot it's timed. Oh. So when I answer everything so perfectly, they say time is up. I still have twenty percent. I have never answered. <laughs> Oh. So they put me in a in a in a better student group, but it's kind of like a middle of the better student group. So the teachers start having some fun with me. <laughs> He's like, well, "This guy probably not not smart at all." <laughs> yep. And uh, one time, the first year was horrible. Yeah, that, that was. I, I, I keep thinking about it. That probably was the the reason why I become a better teacher because I know the pen to be a to be treated like that. In a bad way. Yeah. Let me tell you. One time after my English test, okay, that teacher for some reason he didn't like me, so he put a. He asked me to chew my own exam paper. Eat your paper. Yeah, he asked me to eat my paper. Because it's punishment. Yeah, he said eat that in front of the public, in front of other students. Because you didn't do well in the test. I didn't do well. Yeah. And for a particular reason, he just didn't like me. So I went home with tears on my face. How old I, were you? Oh my goodness! I was. Uh, that was the first year of middle school. So you're what, twelve, thirteen? Like that, yeah. I went home and uh, I didn't tell my parents. I was crying, on the way, and uh, and guess what? Then I make a decision. I say I don't need a teacher. So 
from that day, I my parents actually they don't they don't realize what happened. But still to this day, yeah, they didn't realize. I never、okay. tell my tell my mom, yeah, or my dad, because my dad was a military officer. He probably would kill my teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't tell my father and my and my mom. So I. So I, I I get all my books, all everything I missed. I study on my own. I sleep only five hours per day. And you were just cramming in information, learning as much. As yeah, I just learn everything on my own. So I try to figure out the best way to do that. So actually, two years later, my name on that list of simulation exam yeah was going from like the middle area to the top three. Really? Yeah. So so. Okay, so so first off, was that common for teachers to do that back then? Back then, it was very common. Actually, they put sticks on the back of of our our found, nation's founding fathers' portrait. <laughs> That's the best place for them to hide their sticks. <laughs> oh, they, they hit you with? Yeah, they they hit they, they use those sticks to hit you. Yeah, that was the time in Taiwan. And、uh, was that? Is that still acceptable today? In no, no.、Okay. Teacher probably would lose their pension. Okay, so I, well, I was just wondering because, like, I mean, back in the day, like, people, you know, you always hear about the old Catholic school teachers hitting you with rulers, and we used to have a teacher that would throw sponges at people and they、mm-hmm. would fall asleep in class, and we'd literally just like he'd wet it and just chuck it at them, like, and you know, so you start to look at, you know, what you could do back then versus now. That obviously, like, if you even scold a child, it, you know, and I think, you know, generational is different. Like, you're the same,、mm-hmm. and I was kind of the same way. I was more upset if I got in trouble in school.、Mm-hmm. I was more upset that my parents would be upset. Okay, you know, I kind of I think what you just said. Like it was like I didn't, and and my my knowing my parents back then, I don't think they would have cared. Meaning like、mm-hmm. not not of me getting in trouble, they wouldn't、mm-hmm. have cared if the teacher scolded me because I would have been. You know, my it,、mm-hmm. my parents weren't、um, very. They, they would keep me accountable and like they weren't like disciplinary, like very hard and very strict. But they were like, get your work done, be a good person, like don't. You know, don't do something stupid that would, you know, cause you to come have your teacher say you did something dumb. So, luckily, I didn't do a lot of dumb stuff. But every once in a while, you're a kid, you get in trouble. And like I said, the, the thought of mom and dad finding out was way worse than any teacher. And I think nowadays it's the opposite. It's like kids get pissed at the teacher, and then all of a sudden they go home and tell mom and dad, and mom and dad get mad at the teacher. And I'm like, well. The kid did something wrong. Most of the time, there's always two stories, and usually kids are kids. They do something dumb, and it's like, okay, why would the teacher scold you out of all the other kids? So back then, kind of the same thing. It's like he did something, which just seems outrageous that it was based on test results back then. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Like,、yep. I'm talking like I did something dumb, meaning like I said something wrong, or I, you know, beat a kid up or something. That would be the one you get in trouble for, not like my grades. But that's what I'm saying. So、uh, school for you guys was held. You know, grades, performance that was held very high amongst the teachers, amongst the community, amongst the you know, amongst the,、uh, I guess just that culture, right?、Okay. Yes, because in in our culture, actually, the 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 only way for kids to to be successful was to, you know, to to get high school in the exam and then get into good、uh, high school, get into good college. So that was a situation. That, You know, around that time, because it was not easy to get into good college at that time, but nowadays totally different. In even in Taiwan, and this was what years roughly? Okay,、uh, my high school probably is, it was nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty, eighty to ninety. Eighty to ninety. Yeah, eighty to ninety. Now, when you had, 
So this this uh, issue with the paper and eating the paper and the teacher and stuff, this was like a turning switch for you of just like, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to self-teach myself. I'm gonna yes. Be, I'm going to be a lifelong student and make myself or force myself to learn. Yes. Actually, that was the best training later in high school. Let me tell you something interesting. You know, in the first year of high school, my physics teacher, actually, one day he wanted to see that if we listen to his lecture in class. So he gave us a, a, a pop quiz. A pie exam, actually, it was a big exam, but it's like a pie exam. So I scored the highest. And this physics teacher asked me, Jason, why did you do it? How can you be so good? I say, well, because I, when I self-study physics in middle school, I grabbed a book from the bookstore. I didn't realize that it was already the high school level. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't realize that. So actually... Probably it's not because you really lecture it. It's because I already know that very well. <laughs> so so uh, do you find, are you still this way today? You're just like, you love to learn, you love to research, you love to just... Yeah, I do a lot of things actually on my own. Actually, I, I, I enjoy having having good teachers, mm -hmm. because, but I use teachers to answer my questions. Like, and this is your peers now at SUNY. Like, would you go to professors at SUNY and at, at Plattsburgh and ask them questions? Well, I, a lot of smart people at, within the college, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. They really know their stuff. Yeah, I don't really ask them something, uh, you know. Yeah, I ask, I ask people about something in their areas too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but for, for, for accounting or something I'm interested in, I like to do research on my own first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I will check with people to see their opinions about the subject I'm interested in. So, so from uh, junior high, so how was the rest of your high school career? So you went from junior high. Is it the same in, in Taiwan? Is it high school? Yeah, high school. We have, we have a three years high school instead of four years. Okay. Yeah, but the, our elementary school, it, it was, uh, it, it is actually six years. So it's a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer. And our high school, actually, I, I'm okay with high school. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I've been a, a good student in high school. And I don't really find it particularly difficult. But the only thing was, uh, I in the third year of my high school, at the beginning of the third year, my family just moved away from my, my hometown. Because, you were with them? No, actually, I decided to stay. Really? Okay. Yeah, but that was a big mistake because my... And my, you were what, probably 17, 18 at the time? Yep. Okay. And so I lived on my own for one year. Okay. Yep. Do you but have siblings? That, um, actually, my, 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 my younger brother and younger sister, they moved away with my parents. Okay. So I decided that uh, to stay there, I saw that I could handle with it. But it turned out to be, I was depressed. Okay. <laughs> yep, and uh, so I, my, I was, a, so I turned out to be, a, actually I kind of come down from a superstar student to a okay student <laughs> in the last year of my high school. Do you think it stemmed from just being by yourself? Yep, actually because of that, I think I didn't, didn't really learn how to handle with myself very well there so i when i went to college you know i i was supposed to get a better grade in the in the college entrance exam but what, what was funny is you know because of my depression i didn't practice enough especially on some questions in my math okay. so in the college entrance exam i i i told myself i'm like come on one year ago i can answer this question so easily i remember that but now this question is right in front of me and this is college entrance exam, and I couldn't write down anything. So, so my college exam actually didn't turn out to be too well. Not a disaster, but not too well. And because of that, I was uh, 
I originally planned to become a scientist or engineer, but uh, I and I actually was assigned to a major which is uh, management science. Still a good school. Wait, you were assigned to the major? Yeah, I was assigned to a major. That so was you, funny. So you because, don't pick your major in Taiwan? Well, you know, you you have your score, right? You get your exam score, and then you have to submit a, a list of the majors and schools combinations on a piece of paper. And whether you will get into something you you want to get in, that would depends on the other people's choices too. So it's run by computer. Really? So I have no idea about a lot of majors and my parents my father was a military officer and my mom was an elementary school teacher and i don't have a young older brother to tell me many things mm-hmm. and uh, so around that time i just put something random in there <laughs> wow so so you don't get to pick what you have interest in you just get put in based on your performance on your scores like exactly kind of yeah yeah you can pick what you're interested in. for example if you want to be an engineer you can put everything about engineering but uh, sometimes you have to put something else because you're thinking about, okay, if I, if I don't get into engineer engineering program of a school A, then I have to go to school B. But I don't want to go to school B, so I want to stay in school A for another major. Gotcha. So, so sometimes that played a role. Like you could take the major at a different school, but if you really like the school, you just switch the major. Exactly. Especially in, uh, in Taiwan, you know, there, there, there are huge differences between national universities and uh, private universities. National universities, they are low tuition. Also, people respect students in national universities. Would you deem national is better than private or private better than In, in Taiwan, national universities, they are better than private at that time. Okay. Yeah, so, and also tuition fees, you know, is huge because in national universities, it's uh, hugely subsidized by, by the government. So it's, it, there's more low or loans, but scholarships and stuff to go to the national. Yeah, it's only like one third. National university tuition is like one third of the private. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a huge difference. But and it's a better school. And it's a better school. So, so why would people go private then? It's just kind of they have no choices. <laughs> no choices in regards to what they can go into for school, or they're they're forced in there by family. They are they're forced into private. In, gotcha. in some terms, so like you know, mom pe- and dad might have went there, so now you're going there, and yeah, in Taiwan around that time, some people they get into private, they're feeling like they are like losers. Really? Yeah, that's is that loser. still today? You think? Uh, a little bit. So, a little bit. so you still think that the you still think that the uh, the, the national schools in 2021 is still more prestigious than a private school? Oh, in definitely in Taiwan. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. I don't I don't want to say that private schools they don't have good students. Actually, they have a lot of good students, but. That's the pressure of the society. Yeah, and it's just the perception of everybody. Yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of like here. If someone says I'm going to go to a, a major name brand college, or if I go to Plattsburgh State, or if I go to Clinton Community College, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I look at it from a, a more of the financial side of it. It's like mm-hmm. you can go to Clinton and be pretty much pay a very low fee to get the baseline education, then go to then save your money and go to a Plattsburgh or go to another school, and not come out with a hun- bunch of debt. Like, I think the, the kids nowadays coming out of, like, you can go to, uh, so say, like, hey, I want to go to Ohio State. You mm-hmm. can go to Ohio State. It's going to cost you 40 to 50 grand a year out of state or whatever. Or you can go to Plattsburgh State. I get it. They might have some more connections or bigger. So there might be a, a trade-off. But it seems insane for kids to pile up a bunch of debt, which sounds like over there, to go to a private Mm-hmm. It's like there's, you know, like the SUNY school system is a very good school system. And a lot, you know, thousands of kids go through it every year that, but, and it's more affordable 
typically than going to a private school. Yeah, I think in the United States is actually opposite of what, what we have in Taiwan because in Taiwan national university they are lower tuition and also they are perceived as better quality universities. Mm -hmm. But in the United States there are many private universities and the public universities, mm -hmm. and some private universities they are very prestigious, and but some other private universities they are not as prestigious. So, and plus actually the private universities tuitions now in the USA. They are, they are crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been through this whole, whole process of uh, selecting colleges actually in my son's case. My son is currently a medical school student. I was gonna, I'm gonna ask you about your son, yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, he's, he's graduated from uh, Plattsburgh High School as valedictorian. And uh, you know, so we, we, ha we have a lot, of, a lot of questions regarding the way, where, where he should go for the college. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the tuition fees in the USA is, is daunting for any parent, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I did a calculation for, for a lot of schools my son was admitted to. For example, he was admitted to uh, NYU yeah. and uh, admitted to uh, U of Michigan, yeah. Boston College, and, uh, and uh, I think Boston University, and uh, also Ohio State and uh, RPI. And this is all for medical? Uh, no, actually, around that time, it's all for colleges. But was this, oh, so how old is your son now? My son is actually now in medical school. So, so he's, he's beyond a, college. And he's yeah, actually, college. he's... I didn't think he was that old, but he's that old now? Yeah, wow. yeah, he's okay. that old, yeah. And guess what? He, he graduated from SUNY Plattsburgh, too. Really? Yeah, actually, we, we, we made, that was the best decision, actually, we have ever made, because, because you know, actually, he decided that uh, he would stick with uh, SUNY Plattsburgh, so he became the sort of a star student here. Yeah. And he can do a lot of good things on yeah. campus. So a lot of activities. So later actually he got admitted to uh to uh to medical school. I, I think actually it's better way because he, he, he saved a lot of money because yeah. he got the, he got a free ride. Yeah. Yep. And he saved those money now for, for for professional school. So this is really my advice for a lot of parents to think about it. Because nowadays, you know, a lot of private colleges they are really too expensive. And uh, a lot of uh, kids, they don't really know they, they want what they want to do, mm -hmm. you know, at an early stage. So instead of putting a lot of money for undergraduate program, actually, if, I, I would encourage parents to save money for graduate program. Because according to my survey, it's much easier to get into graduate program of the same school than undergraduate program. I wish I could take that the snippet of what you just said and just play it for every kid that's in high school right now. Yeah, exactly. That's that, that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. You know, I, I want to tell kids that do not all be overstressed for your college application. You're thinking about okay, college is a time for you to get out of uh, your parents' home. Yeah, go explore. And, yeah, 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 to go explore the world. Yeah. The world that, that that's very nice. Yeah, and uh, you know, but it doesn't mean that uh, you you need to go to some prestigious and expensive schools. Definitely. Because, you know, it, it, it takes a long time to pay back your tuitions. And the, the student loan is, is getting very high every year. So I, I would say that uh, for a lot of kids, you know, to find what you're interested in is more important than to find a college. Yeah, I, so... 
Well, one, I, I give your son a lot of credit because I think a lot of kids at his age don't realize the that financial burden of going to college. And I, and the reason I'm I'm kind of laughing is because when I was uh, going to college, I applied. I didn't know what I wanted to do at school. I had my dad was in real estate, my mom was a teacher, mm-hmm. and going to college. And I remember, you know, in, your, in high school, they go through like, what would what would be a job you'd want to do? And I remember one project we I might have been my junior year, and the two projects I did was um, one was a gym teacher, phys ed teacher. I was like, phys ed was one of the things that I I, I looked at, and then the second one was a civil engineer. And the only reason I picked civil engineer, I think my uncle did it, and I was like, ah, I'll look into it and, mm-hmm. and uh and, but it was one of those things i didn't my heart wasn't set in anything and and i remember getting out of high school and it was kind of in the form of like back this was 2008 i was like well you go to college because in your head that's just the nat the natural progression you go yep. after high school you go to college so i ended up i applied to one school suny plattsburgh i grew up in chasey so i mean i was local in the area and i, I you know i didn't i didn't want to go away and part of it was it was a mixture of not knowing what to do. It was a mixture of laziness. It was a mixture of because part of me was like, I just don't feel like applying to a bunch of schools because I don't know really what I really want to do. And I also around that time started reading books on like finance and economics, and again, kind of a weird thing for a high school student. But I started yeah. to read. I had a good teacher uh, my senior year that was my sociology. He still lives locally, but he was sociology or high school teacher at the time. And he spent about a month going over personal finance and budget and things like that. Mm. Stuff that they don't teach in high school. They don't teach well enough in high school. They should. Mm-hmm. And he started talking to me about, you know, IRAs and insurance and mm. debt and loans. And in my head as a 17-year-old, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm just learning this now. And I'm 18 at the time. I'm literally like graduating in like three months. And I remember reading a couple books on it and about the idea of compound interest, on the idea of debt, on the idea of uh, student loans. And I remember thinking in my head, like, no, I'm sticking with one school. I ended up getting a scholarship to Plattsburgh. Um, I came out. My parents had said they had saved up X amount of money, and they said you can go to any school in the world you want to go to. But you're, this is how much we've saved up, and you know, take it or you know, basically use it however you want. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, okay. One, I didn't want my parents to pay money for my school, and I didn't really want to pay much money for my school. So what I did was I was like, let me go to Plattsburgh. Let me go super cheap. Mm-hmm. My parents will pay for it, but I'm still saving my parents a lot of money as to what, you know, in the grand scheme of where yep. I could go. And I ended up, my mom also went to Plattsburgh, and she always talked highly of Plattsburgh, you know. And I, you know, I think a lot of local students um, or people locally are like, well, I want to get away. And Plattsburgh's Plattsburgh. Like, it's better. The grass is greener on the other side. Kind of like Plattsburgh. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you what, I, I wasn't very active in school, in college. I mm-hmm. went to Plattsburgh. And, um, but looking back at it now, I actually have fonder opinions and views of Plattsburgh today than I did as a student. Because mm-hmm. not, not against anything with the college, but when I was going through college, I was so checked out of college. Mm-hmm. I did my work. I enjoyed sir. I enjoyed you tremendously. I enjoyed your classes. Uh, Doctor Gaber. I enjoyed mm-hmm. him. I had him in international accounting. Is he still in- involved? Oh yeah, he's a still our chair. Oh god, he's yeah. such a great, great individual. And I, and I had a few other teachers. Uh, Brian Neuruther was my uh, my accounting uh, or my accounting my uh, advisor for yeah, supply because I graduated he, supply chain manager. He's our interim dean now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I really like Brian and I've talked to Brian a couple times since I've run into him, you know, since I've graduated. But, uh, back then I just didn't really have a heart, my heart set in it. And now 
having met more people and being, you know, out more in the community, but still seeing, you know, a lot of what's going on with the college, you know, I think that it's such a, there's so much good that comes out of the college. And when I was going to school too, it was eye opening because here I come from upstate New York and Plattsburgh state is not upstate New York. It is in the sense you live up here, but it's such a culturally like, it's, it's, it's just crazy. You just show up and there's, you know, international students, it's there's students from, you know, uh, more urban areas or students from rural areas. And, yeah. and I found that, you know, sitting in a class where I pr- predominantly was, you know, people like people like me that were just sitting up, you know, in class and like you, you kind of had your buddies from high school and then you get put into college and like, mm-hmm. wow, there's a whole nother world. And it's in Plattsburgh and like, yeah. because this community is kind of this little ecosystem of, um, or melting pot of just a bunch of, you know, different cultures and activity. And I think Plattsburgh does promote a lot of that. And they, and, you know, I've had some students that are interns for me here and, you know, some international students have been interns and it's just great. It's cool to kind of hear their, you know, their perspective on everything and you as being an immigrant. And yep. I think um, now looking at Plattsburgh, it's like, I think it's, I, I would look like, I try to push people, not that they have to go to Plattsburgh, but I'm mm-hmm. saying, you know, if you go to college, make sure you don't feel overwhelmed if you don't know what you're wanting to do mm-hmm. because nobody does. You're 18. You're a kid. <laughs> nobody. You're still a kid. You know, go be open, you know, um, kind of be open you know just go to a place and just kind of let things happen and just go with the flow and and don't try to force it but just like you know be open to talking to people and meeting people and open to new ideas and open to maybe because when I went I went undecided and I wanted to be a teacher and then I'm like you know what I didn't want to be a teacher and I kind of for a couple of different reasons so I went into business and then I kind of went into supply chain only Mm. because it was a new major and I'm like I don't know I'll just try it because like I, (laughs) I don't really know much about it it's a new major I think I might have talked to Brian at the time um, about getting into it. And I think my, again, my uncle had been in supply chain and I was like, let me, let me try it, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but I got to take finance. I got to take accounting. I got to take uh, marketing. I got to take, you know, um, you know, just a bit done as you know, a bunch of different, um, you know, areas within the the school of business and economics. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I enjoyed it and I, I got a background and I actually got my real estate license while I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I probably had it right around the time I took your classes or was mm-hmm. getting it. And, uh, yeah, and I think for me it was eye opening, but I came out of college debt free. And that's something that since coming out of college, I was able to buy, um, an investment property young. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I basically took tuition money and that's where it went. Um, and then again, I, I was able to get into something that I didn't, I didn't love real estate when I got in real estate. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a means to an end. And then I started to really like it and I started to like the more complexities of real estate and, um, but now I look back at it, it's like I've been able to not have a financial burden on me that most most students do if they come out of college. And I think to me, your son doing the way that he's he's done it. And where does he go to school now? He's in SUNY Upstate. SUNY Upstate, but medical. medical. School. Yeah. yeah, medical school. And even that, going to a, from a SUNY school to a SUNY school, like he's going to come out. I would say much further ahead financially than most medical stu- school students. And he's going to have, and like you said. To be able to pay that debt down to then now you're starting to accumulate wealth or start to accumulate, he's going to be able to flip that really quick. Yep. And that's what you want. Because like I said, if you're sitting there digging out of a hole for a decade, 20 years, something like that, then it's like, man, I'm just getting back up to breathing room, let alone now I can just like sky's the limit. Yeah. You know you know that uh, the, 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 the student loan interest rate, they are not too low, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk about compound. So if you compound those money for for 10 years that's a that's a huge amount of money a lot of people actually they they, they didn't they didn't realize that actually sony plants but we we offer so many good things there so 
first of all, just like what you say, we are the, we are the most diversified campus in the whole SUNY with uh, the largest percentage of international students. Wow. Yeah. I don't know whether or not you know uh, Chulanga Pereira. He's a, yeah, he was an international student actually around your time. Okay. And uh, I, I had a chance actually to be his, uh, his thesis advisor because he was in honor program, in honors program. So anyway, 10 years later, you guess what? He's now the chief information officer of Daimler. Of which one? Of Daimler, the company making okay. yeah Daimler. Okay. Yeah, in the whole in India continent. Really? Yeah. And it came from Plattsburgh. From Plattsburgh. So there are a bunch of good, good, good students actually. Now they are in the executive position from Plattsburgh. So, so you know, a lot of people actually in those countries they don't realize that actually you have something just right, right beside you. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's low cost option, and. Uh, and then you, you will be able to meet a lot of good people. They, the one day there will be big shots. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is, if I went through a good portion of my friend group right now, mm-hmm. they all went to SUNY Plattsburgh. And some, a lot of them I didn't meet in college. We, mm-hmm. Some of us are different ages, and some of us, you know, anywhere from five, six, seven years younger than me, all the way up to 10, 15 years older than me. You know, mm-hmm. that's, but some of my best friends, and a lot of them are very successful locally, and they're doing some great things. And I, you know, I, just great people and hardworking mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like, you know, learn and grow, but they all went to Plattsburgh. And, it, and it's kind of funny how, especially when you look at, sometimes you'll get those programs, like, uh, you know, they'll talk about um, alumni and you get the things and you kind mm-hmm. of look and there's a story about alumni and my wife went to Plattsburgh and mm-hmm. you start to read about, you know, where they're at now and what they did. And it's like, you can accomplish a lot in life. And I think that the thing with people, college is a very, it's a few years at a very young time in your career mm-hmm. that typically kids leave college at say 22, 23 years old and they go off into the like real world. And, um, you know, you have another 30, 40, 50 years, you know, of working, of meeting people, of, of relationships, of growing, of, 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 you know, transitioning from careers to career. And, you know, I think, you know, college gives you the time to learn. It gives you the time to meet people. It gives you the time to kind of push you away from what you're, you know, you knew for, it's out of your comfort zone, like where you grow. And I think, and people change, everybody changes. I'm sure students have met you um, and said, you know what, Jason's had an impact on me. Therefore, I may want to do accounting or I may want to, mm-hmm. maybe not even accounting, but I just want his perspective on something that I'm going to go into this career. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of, like I said, almost, you know, you did it for your son, but I'm sure you've done it to countless individuals that went through the SUNY system. Yeah, actually, I I have experience. Uh, actually, my my college first first two years was very uh, very tough too. <laughs> you as a student or as a professor? As a student, okay. actually, yeah. Let, let me talk about this because this is something actually this changed my perspective about this whole thing of education. Yeah, after I get into college of first year, I, I told you that uh, I I got into the major I have no idea about. <laughs> So, and what, what, what was worse was in Taiwan, you are not allowed to change majors. Really? Really, yeah. Actually, they do wow. allow you to change up, but in order to change majors, you've got to be a very good in your grade. So there are like very limited spots for you to switch your majors. But the question is, if somebody's not interested in their majors, how can they do well? Yeah, you don't have a passion for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no passion, so it's pretty much you're stuck there for four years. So in my life, I changed majors three times. Okay. I changed my majors three times. So if you look at my, my resume, I changed from management science to economics yep. to accounting. 
-hmm. okay? And, uh, and uh, th this is a long story to, to, to share with you, okay? In, uh, in Taiwan, actually, the first two years of my college, if you meet me on the street, okay? I was, uh, I was ter I looked terrible because <laughs> I, 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 the first year I, I, I skipped courses. Because there, okay. there were many courses I just not interested. Just like partied and hung yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't party. That no. was a problem. I didn't party that much because my school was like a 13 to 1 male to female ratio. Oh. 13 to 1. And my school, my college actually was still prestigious in Taiwan. Okay. Yeah, it was still very prestigious in Taiwan. So nowadays, actually, a lot of uh, technology companies, their CEOs, they were my classmates. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, during those years. And, uh, but anyway, I was very lost because every day my job was, I was in a college technology oriented. So I have to learn like four to five different computer languages every year. Jeez. Jeez. So, so that's in management science. That's management science. Okay. And we're ma very mathematics oriented. And this is, again, this was back in the night, early nineties. 1990, 1988. Okay. 1980, 89. So it, how was the computers back then technology? Okay. We just switched from the, you know, we, you, you know, we just switched from the from the the the, the card. Oh, the floppy disk. Yeah, no, actually, it was before. It was the beginning of a floppy disk. Okay. It was the very beginning. So oh, when I was what, in school in the nineties, was the floppy yeah, disk. Yeah, one year ahead of that, it was like a punch hole. Okay. On a piece of paper, right? But but when I started, that, it was like a floppy disk. So flop, flop, floppy disk was like a what? Like a one mega floppy disk. That kind of time. Yeah. Okay. One, one makeup bites. Yeah. So I was writing which computer programs. Which is a joke now, considering my phone has like. Yeah, exactly. Like 256. My, my computer has one terabyte. Like how exactly. crazy is that, you know? Yeah. And uh, so for my, my life over there was very, very boring. So I have to do a lot of math and I have to go to computer center every night. So we stay up very late. So sometimes it's like a two a.m. we get out of the computer center then we went went back to sleep so we have that type of life like and were you just like coding or coding doing? yeah we do a lot of coding okay. actually i then I, I told myself like okay i don't really like to have coding as my my life and uh, i like math and i like it but i don't know why am i here i don't even know, even know what type of job i'm doing so i was totally lost so let me tell you how lost I was. I, I, I started actually pursuing a lot of religious lives. So after my first year, after my first year of college, a lot of people actually, they were went to like what? To do a lot of internships, right? Mm -hmm. But after the first year of college, I went to a temple. I lived with monk. Really? Yeah, for two months. Was this just you had to like reset? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know what, I'm, I'm lost in my life. I feel this life is void. So I, I want to go there to have a, have a, to see how those monks, they live. I want to live with them. Wow. Yeah, so. This is uh, Buddhist? Yeah, Buddhist, yeah. Is, are, were you Buddhist? Is that? Well, actually, I, I'm, I'm not sitting down on any religions at this time. Yeah, but. Uh, back I'm, then, I'm, what about back but, then? Yeah, but back then actually, I was I was very into different different religions. Okay. So I was uh yeah I was in 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 the in Buddhist temple. Also, you know, actually I have a, I have a Bible study with uh, with somebody from uh from the United States around that time too. So anyway, I was uh, I was there actually just like what I'm saying. I'm not party guy, mm -hmm. but I was very lost. And uh, after two years, then. I had actually I had a very good chance to 
One day, she, my friend talked to me, say there was an economic professor who was, who, who was very good, just came, came back from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. Finally, I heard that somebody's a good teacher. So, so I actually went there to take, to take the course, which is intermediate microeconomics. Okay, and this was at, this was, okay, this is for that, your masters. That, I'm not even gonna pronounce, National Singhu? Hmm? Okay. Singha University? Oh yeah, National Tsinghua University. Yeah. Actually, that was my master degree. But when I went there, it was actually I was a I was actually a sophomore student. Go okay, gotcha. Yeah, and the, the the funny thing is probably think about why I transitioned to that master degree school, right? That was actually very interesting. I I sit down in the classroom with that that teacher, mm -hmm. and uh, this teacher told me that say, okay, in order to teach one hour. I have to prepare everything for eight hours. So he has to prepare a course, eight hours, for one hour lecture. So I was sitting there, I was a little shocked because I never thought of that a professor would be so serious. Mm -hmm. So I told myself, okay, yeah, let me listen to your lecture. And uh, his lecture was great. So very engaging and uh, then I feel guilty that uh, if I don't study, I just feel guilty for wasting his time. Okay, so you felt accountable to him, or, or yeah, I feel accountable him to him. Your effort. Yeah, he's actually the professor actually who totally changed my life because I was taking intermediate intermediate microeconomics course mm -hmm. with him, but I got a D in my introduction to microeconomics. With him? No, with a, another teacher. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, who did not even put the minimum supply line on the right place? <laughs> so, 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 do you find this professor because they were a good professor because uh, that he drew out? Well, what? Well, I should say he drew out your your passion for yeah, it. my desire for learning. Yes. So he 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 ignite my learning. He's like he he just put a match mm -hmm. on on a on a piece of wood. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly I realized that, wow, this is a real learning. Then I started taking courses actually from, from his economics department. Actually, luckily around that time, my college allowed us to... And you were about 20 at this point? Yep. Okay. My college actually allowed me to take courses across different, across different campus. And this college is right beside my college. So both colleges, they are very prestigious. But I have to, every day, because they allow me to take courses from the college next door. So every day I have to ride my bike 15 minutes and uh, go to the other side of the wall to take courses from this college. So later, actually, I took the college entrance exam and get into this, this college's uh, master degree. Every year, they only recruited 12 students. Really? Yeah, just every year. And, and this government. is not just from your school, this is from everywhere. Yeah, from everywhere. Okay. So they only recruited 12 students nationwide. And I was one of them. And uh, this professor I mentioned, he's still my good friend right now. Really? And, still uh, mentor. Yeah, he became actually my assessor's mentor later, two years later. So, okay, so let me, let me back up and I want to come back to, back to that. So I want to go back to the, uh, when you went and lived with the monks for, for, now, was that my my obviously my view of like monks is them walking around like with kind of like the orange yellow like yep uh, what were those called almost dresses or or 
gallon, I say gallons, but you know what I'm talking about. They, and walking, kind of like a rope. A rope, yeah. yeah. So they're walking yeah. around. Do they speak or is this very... Okay, actually they are. They are very busy, you know that? Do you know how no, busy they are? I don't know much are? about monks. I always, like, my, my picture of a monk is like sitting there meditating, not talking, and, and doing like this retreat that you go for month, day, years without speaking. They, 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 no, it's not, not everybody like that. Actually, that depends on the philosophy. And there are many different, uh, different types of philosophies in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, let me just give some idea about what they're doing in temple. Actually, I, I met a monk, actually, who, who became my friend that time, who has a PhD in Chinese language. Really? Yeah, but he decided to become a monk. So, so I, actually, I kind of follow him. So I, I actually, I become a leader of, the, of his, uh, his Buddhism Chinese literature camp, you know, another year later. But around that time, I, I follow him in the, in the temple. So every morning, it's like 4 o'clock. They have to wake up. Four o'clock. Then I have to follow them, so I have to clean everything. So every day they have to clean all the all the windows, all the doors. And then they would do those meditation thing, okay, and also some some ceremonial type of thing. And uh, thereafter they they are, they are busy, so they, are, they have a lot of things to do. And uh, what what's even more challenging for a lot of people is they don't eat anything after noon. So oh. after twelve p.m. They don't eat stuff. They just fast. They just fast. So they eat only in the morning. In the morning. Is that a religious? Actually, belief? that depends on depends on many different temples. Mm-hmm. But in that temple, actually, they did that. So, how many monks lived in the temple? Depends on the size. The the one the I one went there went probably like eight, seven or eight of them. And were you included in that, or were these monks and then you were a visitor or a student? Or I'm more like a visitor there. So did you stay there? Like, did you physically live there? Actually, I lived there like one month, one month to two months. Yeah, but so and then then yeah, one month to two months, and another month for the for the summer camp. Um, and was like I said, that was more of just for you to kind of reset, kind of get you know, kind of get some enlightenment as to what the heck to do with your life. Yes, actually, that helped me a lot because I I remember that uh, two months after. Two months actually, it was like two months. I, I didn't really go get out of the temple for too too frequently. So I remember two months later they they say okay you can leave. So I I, I leave there. Actually they never tell me I need to leave, but but because the summer camp was over, mm-hmm. so I was like okay let me get out of there. So I, I actually I feel so happy when I see people and uh, I my 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 mind was so peaceful. So I, I smile to towards people. Yeah, all very, the time. Very yeah, all yeah. the time, very naturally. And also, I realized that actually, in my life, I don't need so many things in order to be happy. Yeah. That was something actually they told me because they, they don't have any, a lot of stuff, but I don't really need that so many things to be happy. That's something I, I learned from them. So, um, so more of like the minimalist, simplest, like you, you, know, you, you have stuff that, but you don't have to go overboard. You have to buy expensive things. I find like people, they buy a lot of just stuff that doesn't, doesn't really add value to life, like buying you know, like a watch, you're buying yeah. something fancy. Like, you might think it adds value, but it doesn't really add value at the end of the day. It's just kind of stuff, you know, that you, like, I'm trying to think if you bought, like say someone bought a specific car or mm-hmm. wanted something fancy or fancy outfits or clothes, sometimes that's not, it's like a false sense of, of happiness because you buy it and it might make you happy for a small period of time, but then you lose, it doesn't, there's so many things that you buy, even as a kid, you want a special toy. 
Yes. That toy loses its fun after a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden it's like I want something new. It, but it's not necessarily the toy that's bringing a lot of like that's what I'm saying with, with the monks. It's my, I must. I'm guessing it's you know the necessities of life. You know, breathing, living, friendship, com- camaraderie, like the things that people if you really strip down all humans, like that's kind of what we like. You know, you might like entertainment, but entertainment can come in different ways. It could come in just in conversation. It could come in, you know, having something warm to drink. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's different ways that you can. Um, so you find that that was it. it was just kind of like look at like the the simplistic let's break down life and all the craziness down to like the very most basic needs and that's really all you need yeah I think actually in this, in this world we should simplify our our, our way of living mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, Americans actually we don't realize that uh, we we actually we're so much entitled to so many things you know good cars and uh, we spend a lot of money for Halloweens for mm-hmm. for different holidays you know gifts all those type of things but but uh, how how re- how necessary they are? We 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 sometimes we we frequently for forget it. You know how how necessary those things they actually they are needed by us. So in 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 the USA, I think we the, the better way actually to, toward happiness is not just buy stuff. Okay, you, you probably know that uh, you know when you have when, when you have some money, then you you probably want a better car. Mm-hmm. Then. But uh, we 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 still don't think about how much time we really spend on the car, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, are we buying the car for our own use or buying the car for somebody's, uh, somebody's envy, perception? <laughs> yeah, perception, yeah. envious of us. Yeah, keeping so, up with the Joneses kind of. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so so I I will try to be aware of that actually after my, my 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 years with uh, with those monks. And is this something you've been able to keep the up to this point in your life? Well, I, I would try to. I yeah. would try to. Yeah, of course, you know, I have a wife and uh, I have my son and we ha- they, have, they have different desires for things. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to stick to this, uh, to this, this principle as, as much as possible. And do you, do you still meditate? Do you still, like, do you still take time to kind of to yourself and think and... Well, I... Yeah, that's an interesting question. Okay. Since I came to the United States, yeah, I knew, and I, I didn't talk about why I came to USA, right? At that part. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep, we're gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Since I came to the United States, I, 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 I've been very busy for like ten years, so extremely busy. And uh, when I get promoted to full professor, a lot of people think that uh, you know you are, you're promoted to full, full professor, then you should be very happy, right? And uh, actually, in that year, I my anxiety was getting worse, much worse. Okay, actually I realized that in the past 10 years, because I came to USA, I worked so hard, and I, I forgot how to live. I concentrate on working so much, yeah, so I so forgot, mad. yeah, I forgot how to live. So then my one day I was in a parking lot, on a parking lot, and I was in the car. And I didn't want to get out of the car. At parking lot of the school. Of oh, the school, yeah. I didn't want to get out of out of park. Was this at Plattsburgh or prior to coming? Pla- uh, Plattsburgh, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I told to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm in trouble, <laughs> because I I put my push myself too too much. So I so just like what you say, actually, in the past few years, I tried to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, my slow down for somebody probably was the average speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just just, 110% of yeah. 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 So 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 I try to slow down, and now actually my meditation actually is to walk around the 
the the few house of Plattsburgh State, yeah. you know, that area, actually just to slow myself down, listen to music. Do you do this each day or try to? Yeah, I do that every day. Yeah, yeah I'm um yeah, I'm trying to do that every day and uh, I'm also do running every day. So I'm running like a uh, 3000 meters every every day now. Okay. So yeah. um yeah, cuz one of the things I I'm starting to slowly get into the same as like it, life it's busy and it gets chaotic and it gets crazy and and between at least for me between like work between i have three young children so between that between work between like just a bunch of stuff that goes on and i love it i love all aspects of it but sometimes it's just overwhelming and like you said anxiety and um sometimes just being able to be a little more present and not be what's the next thing what's the next thing because my mind always goes to all right great i got that done now then I'm already thinking about what needs to be done. And it's like, well, I'm, if, I, if I keep thinking about what I need to do, what I need to do, what I need to do, that you're always thinking present and you're not really like kind of enjoying like the fruits of your labor or enjoying like calming down. So I'm trying to implement more like downtime in my day. Um, I was very much like appointment, appointment, go, 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 go. And I'm trying to regulate that slightly, but I'm also trying to regulate it more in a sense of like slow down, I'm trying to get better at listening. I, I listen good here. I find that my brain goes so quick at times that when I'm in conversations with people, sometimes I don't, I, I don't hear them enough, and I, I find that I, I'm almost hearing the voices in my head more than I'm hearing mm -hmm. the person. And I'm trying to kind of slow that down. And I think a lot of it is just trying to center myself a little bit more, um, you know. And and, and I don't. I, I think it just. I'm trying to. I'm trying to really work on being a little bit more present, a little bit more like enjoy smaller things because I find. Same thing as life gets Kate crazy and busy and busy. I just think it started to take so much energy out of me where I just didn't feel like I had a break, you know. And that's yeah. and, and the thing is, you I was kind of getting, you know, burnt out a little bit. And it was more of, you know, I love what I do, but I didn't want to. I didn't want my overwhelmingness one to affect my <clears throat> my family or my kids, and it, and then I also didn't want to affect you know coming into work and being tired from hanging out with the three kids and doing stuff and coming here and not giving mm -hmm. my full effort. So it's like some stuff had to give, and that. A lot of that is I'm trying to figure out a way to pull stuff off my plate and get, a little, like I said, a little bit more quiet and not as much rush in my day. Yeah, a little bit me time will be very helpful. Yeah. You know, yeah, treat yourself better. You know, sometimes, you know, when you do something very different, okay, even do nothing, actually, you are resting your mind, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for me, actually, when sometimes I feel overwhelmed, you know, accounting thing, accounting, they use a lot of... Uh, brain power sometimes oh, yeah. yeah 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 so sometimes when i really think things become too complicated and my mind's going off then i will go back to my piano and start playing mm -hmm. anything randomly and just let my mind flow yeah play anything i think of in my mind i found that actually that's very helpful for me well yeah and i think i so i read a quote this is about two weeks ago it was a quote by uh, henry ford the founder of ford motor mm -hmm. and he uh he said, thinking is the hardest thing to do. That's why few, so few people actually do it. And I thought about it and it hit me like pretty hard because I was, you know, cause I, this is some stuff business-wise and I found that I'm spending more time thinking about stuff than mm -hmm. doing stuff at certain points because I, I was go, 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 go. But mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point, as I'm sure you have with, with accounting and certain aspects of it, that some of it just becomes autopilot and you can just do it. And I find that the motion of that stuff is easy. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like certain things, for, like I'll put it in real estate perspective. Me helping someone with buying or selling a home 
is autopilot. I've been doing it. I, I know what I'm doing. I've, you know, I can always, you know, I'm always learning, but mm-hmm. I, I've gotten majority of what I'm going to learn. I've learned in that space. Mm-hmm. My brain power is now going to the company, now going to growth, now going to expansion, now going to the things that are kind of going to level up the company mm-hmm. as a, as a, and that takes brain power. That takes quiet time. That takes thinking that takes being in my own, my, by myself and my own brain thinking and writing stuff down and mm-hmm. the amount of energy. So last week I took off from all appointments and I spent the week by myself. I would, I would drop my kid off at school and I would spend, you know, and it, some of it was, I would just drive down and I'd park by the lake and I would sit there for two, three hours and just write down thoughts and ideas. And, and, and it was just being in my own headspace and kind of really internalizing and thinking about stuff. But what it allowed me to one, I would do it for four to five hours during the day and my mm-hmm. brain would be white. I was done. And I, and I, but I looked at it as like, I put so much effort into a few hours a day. I didn't mm-hmm. have to work eight, 10, 12 hours. I worked one day, three, one day, four, one day, five, where like, but I was just, it was so focused work. Mm-hmm. My mind was tired, yep. but it was good. It was good work and I needed it. But then it, but that shows when you really put your mind to something or really have to think about it, the amount of energy and amount of time that you burn just in that deep, deep focus and thought is, is very exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so so we, we really have to know ourselves, and then then how how to structure our time for that. For example, you 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 keep your best time, the best energy for for those those items that require a lot of brain power. Then you can use some other time for some for doing something that are that, that doesn't require the brain power to to do it. Yeah, and it, yeah. So go into, um, I guess okay. How do how, we'll go back and we'll come back to this. How did you get to come to America? Well, that's a that that's a long story, and I I I came to the United States, you know, purely for for getting a degree in accounting, and uh, just just like what I say, I changed my majors three times, okay. And uh, a lot of people actually they were shocked for me to tell them this before I came to the United States for my accounting program. I have only taken three accounting undergraduate courses. Really? Yeah. So I took uh, three undergraduate accounting courses only before my PhD program. So that, that's a long story. Let me tell you why I get into yes, accounting. Yes, why accounting, yeah. Yep. I, um, I, I, I took some accounting courses actually in, the, in, in my undergraduate program and uh, I like the courses, yeah, but uh, I don't have the chances because we don't have an accounting major there. Then I switched to economics. So I was, I was in the, into the, the one of the prestigious master degree program. So college actually pay me money to study there. And I have 11 classmates and some of them are really genius At the, the, in, in a master degree in economics. Okay. Yeah. And there are many of them, they are very rich people now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they go, I'm assuming they went to like the private sector and business and companies. Exactly. Many of them are, they are mutual fund managers and uh, some of them, they design the, Derivatives for for city growth in Taiwan. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, and um, and they're, they're they're smart people, very smart people, and I I was happy that I have a chance to know many of them. And um, then then after graduate school, I I was uh, I was forced into army. Okay. Yeah. So was that, I have was, a, was it, that required? Yeah, that was military a two service? two years of mandatory military service. Okay. So, uh, be honest with you, I don't like army. Okay. <laughs> because my, my father was a, was, a, was a special force colonel. 
who was trained by the United States. And so, so he was pretty badass, like. Yeah, and he he was very good father. Actually, yeah. he 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 do the laundry, he do everything at home. He wash clothes for us. Yeah. He treated my mom very well. But uh, sometimes, you know, those people they have a temper. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, they're tough. Yeah. So my father actually was actually working in Myanmar jungle for CIA when I was in college. For the United States. For the United States, yeah, okay. because CIA actually pay my father to train the. The, the opposition forces against Myanmar military government in the jungle. Okay, yeah. So um, now, did your parents live still in Taiwan at the time? Yeah, my, my, father, my father already passed away. My mom's still there. But now let's go back to the counting. Yes. Okay, go. so I didn't like, uh, like military, so I decided that, okay, I, I want to have uh, military service without touching rifles too much. <laughs> And also, I don't want to deal with the tough people in the army, just like my father. Okay. <laughs> and my father said, if you don't want to go to some, even you have no idea about what happened, then I can send you to the paratrooper because I have a lot of friends there. Just jumping out of planes. Jumping out of planes. I said, no, no, no. I don't want to jump out of plane. So anyway, so then I figured out that the best way for me to, to not carry a rifle in the army and finish the two years happily was to to become an accounting officer. <laughs> and there were only 20 positions at that time. They are open to, to college graduates. So I- Yeah, I, the military is still business. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they were, looks, it looks like it's very competitive. So, so I was like, okay, well, I can sacrifice my whole month study and just to get into that military position to be an accountant. So I studied very hard. My father said, nobody make it. I said, no, I will be the one. So I made it there. So I, be, wow. I became a county officer. So I was actually trained in a, in a metropolitan area. Okay. And we still have some, some chances, chances to, to, to use the rifle, but that, was, that, wasn't, the, that wasn't something made basically there. So I was through boot camp in Taiwan already. So after my six months boot camp, a uh, six weeks boot camp, actually, I went to uh, the, the, the accounting school. So I did accounting. So I was dreaming that uh, after I get out of the, my training school, I'll be working in metropolitan area as an accountant, happily. So did you have interest in accounting? Or was this purely just to avoid? Like, I, I, like a, I like accounting. I like accounting. But I choose that job is because I, I was motivated by actually by the chance not to, to do. Yeah, not to not to carry rifle. Yeah, because I, I don't want to deal with people like my, my dad. Yeah, he wow. was nice, but uh, I know that uh, it just wasn't the life you wanted to live. Yeah, that's just not the life I want to be in the army. Wow. So that, that was your career path. Like that's what got you into the accounting. Yeah, that, they, they would tell something funny, even more funny after that. I, so I was thinking about, well, I, will, I will stay in the city, right? City area. And uh, after five o'clock, I would, I would just clock out and then I would just do something, anything I want, right? In the army. So pretty much like just working in a, in a corporation for army. And, uh, but unfortunately I had bad luck. So they sent me to an island, a small island, 2.5 square miles island. Jeez. Yep. And what's even more funny, we call it front line because you know, we, we have a historical conflict between Taiwan and China. Yeah. Yeah. So that island actually was like 90 miles from Taiwan but only 
five to eight miles, probably eight miles to China. And, and this was because what you you were sick? No, actually they, they okay. No, actually they, they just sent me there. So we have after after our military training, we have a drawing for your assignment. So you 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 will have lottery for where you're gonna be sent to. So I had the worst luck in my class. <laughs> and this is at sorry, so I get stuff confused here. So mm-hmm. this was out of the military. Yeah. The so, drawing after the military. Yeah, after the training school. Okay. After military training, so we have a lottery for determining where you're gonna be sent to. Oh, so while you were in the military, you were on this little island. Yeah, yeah. Doing so the accounting for yeah, them. they sent me to this gotcha. small okay. island to do the accounting. Okay, sorry. Now I'm good. Now keep going. Yeah, yep, yep. So, so that was funny. So not many accountants there. So I have to to be the accountant for like four thousand soldiers, and the most of us were living underground. So it's a fortified island. So I cannot disclose where it is because it's still kind of national security for Taiwan. But it was island full of, it's totally fortified. So, and this was a small island? Yes, 2.5 square miles, people living underground. And our, our enemy at that time was just 8 miles, 10 miles away from us. And we are 90 miles back home. Wow. Yeah, so that was a place like stressful, that. very stressful. So actually, I, the first night actually, I, I couldn't sleep because you know we have to use machine gun to drive the Chinese fishermen away from our per- perimeter. Jeez. Yeah. So that that was uh, that, that that was a very very interesting place, and I was doing accounting there. And the, the good thing is, I learned so much because there are not many people there, so I have to do everything on my own. Okay. Yeah, and something actually inspired me was actually I, I did also counting thin, and uh, after after like five p.m., I, I like to stay still stay there on my job because I I cannot move my mind away from how to improve the system. So actually, that that was moment actually I realized that there's inefficiencies in the model. Yeah, actually that was moment actually I realized that I'm so into the counting because I'm not just a person like being counter doing those numbers. I'm a thinker. Mm-hmm. I like to think about how to improve the whole system. So one year later, actually, I wrote the instruction, uh, the operate the operational manual for my for my unit there. I think, and you, I love it. I think you taught me this in college. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was actually that was the moment of my life. I'm like, okay, yeah. this thing's so interesting. I'm gonna work on this for my life. So after I get out of army, I just cannot move my mind away from this. So it became like an obsession. Yeah, and then but 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 the problem in Taiwan was, just like what I say, you know, I have only taken three accounting courses. And, uh, you know, I don't even have undergraduate degree. So in Taiwan, if I want to get admitted to a master degree or PhD degree, it was almost impossible. Then I realized that, uh, you know, but the problem is I, I have no time because I was married. I have a... She got married young. Yeah, I was married and uh, I, have a, I have a newborn baby. Then what should I do? So also around that time, my father passed away. So I this realized... This all early 2000s? Yeah, early 1996, seven, okay. around that time. Yeah, my father passed away and then I realized that, wow, yeah, my... My my family actually would now rely on me. I got to do something more brave for myself. 
Did okay. So were you married and had your son after you were in the military? Actually, after yeah, just after yeah, okay. after military actually, yeah. And I get married. Okay, yeah. The reason why I get married earlier was because actually, the last year of my military life, we have a military conflict against China. So I saw that I, I wasn't be able to get out get out of there. I don't know whether or not you heard of a 1996 Taiwan Strait crisis. So, you know, around that time, you know, Taiwan actually we 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 were elected our first democratic president, and the Democ and our, our 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 new president who is gonna be elected, who, kind of in support of independence. Current, I mean, this currently. Uh, no, 19, in yeah, in 1996, yeah. So around that time, in 1996, we, China was not happy because they don't want to see a new president who is supporting of uh, in independence. Mm -hmm. Although we are, we are de facto independent, but this person might declare dependence. So, so around that time, China actually, they, they vowed to launch missiles against us. So we were ready to... <laughs> to actually to be surrounded actually around that time i remember that one morning i wake up i look around the island we were surrounded by like 300 chinese fishermen's boats they're quasi naval ships wow yeah so they're surrounding us and i remember that um, my general on that day say everybody stop practice shooting so I remember that day they said they told me the first time, don't do the counting. <laughs> grab, grab a gun. Yeah, they, they 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 asked me to just just to to take a gun and start practice shooting. So I have my M sixteen right in front of me. Yeah, I remember that, but uh, I remember I, I was I was practicing shooting, but I couldn't see the target because my my eyes were so bad because of counting books. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, wear your glasses. yeah so, so I was joking with my friends that, uh, okay, you know, in case we run out of bullets, I will give my bullets to you and I can throw grenades. <laughs> so I was happy that I get out there. So I, so I met my wife. So I say, okay, let's get married. So you got to, so what did you meet? Was your, wife, was your wife on the island too? No, actually, I met my wife actually in my hometown. I was like, okay, I, I, I found, found a woman I love, so I don't want to waste time. So this was right after you got out of the military? Yeah, right after I got out of the military, yes. And then you just said, let's get married and get the heck out of Taiwan. Yeah, actually, around that time, no. When I get married with my wife, uh, my, I, I wanted to give my father a grandson. But unfortunately, my father actually passed away right before my son's birth. Uh -huh. Yeah, so that was very unfortunate. And... Uh, and around that time, I was thinking about, well, you know, I need to, I need to find a direction for myself. And uh, I'm lost because I have three accounting courses. I wanted to do accounting. So what should I do? So I, I remember that uh, I, I met a friend who told me that uh, in the USA, they don't really care about where you're from. Yeah. And uh, they don't really care what type of majors you have. If they like you, they will take you. So have that in my mind. I start preparing for my graduate school exam. It's called GMAT for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the PhD program. So I remember that the first time I got, uh, I got a bad grade, not, not so excellent. And a couple months later, I took it again. And guess what? I scored the highest in Taiwan in that quarter. Wow. Yeah. 
So and it was that again, just a bunch of studying, studying, studying. Like studying, just yeah, like, just study. Just dove into the book. Yeah, yeah, just study. Yeah, it's crazy study. And then I, I remember I mailed out my, my application form, at the end of January, and the two, three weeks later, I got the mail in my mailbox. It's a full ride scholarship from Kent State University in accounting. In PhD. Ohio, right? Yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, PhD in accounting. So. Wow. Yeah, and then I realized that okay, so I got accepted. Unbelievable. So, so I was uh, flying to the to the United States, and I remember my conversation with my advisor was very very interesting. Th- this was the advisor in Ohio. Yeah, uh, advisor in Kent State in my PhD program. He said, "Jason, we welcome you here, and I just want to tell you that uh, you know one year later you're expected to go up to teach because you take our scholarship." So that's your job. I say, I understand that, but I have a small problem. The small problem is I have only taken three accounting courses in my life. My advisor almost dropped his job. But you had the background of- the- I have a background in accounting and I love accounting. So I, I say something to him I couldn't believe. I say, don't worry about it. I already study some accounting books on my own. So actually I purchased some intermediate accounting textbooks. I just study on my own. So I say I study some of them on my own. Also, could you let me make all the undergraduate accounting courses in the first year of PhD program? Just create them. So I have to, I have to take those courses. Oh, take those courses. Yeah, I have to take, them. take those courses. Yeah, I have to take those courses. Yeah. So my advisor said, can you handle with it? Because you are taking a first year PhD program courses. I was like, okay, no problem. So... That was my starting my crazy day. So in in Kent State, actually, I make up nine accounting courses along with my PhD courses in the first year. Wow! So how many like credits were you taking? I think it's like classes per semester. Like classes. Eight? Okay, I I have to make a like a okay. I make a, I have to take like two regular accounting courses in regular semester, mm-hmm. and I have to do the other they are in summer and winter. So you're just school all all the time. Exactly. I pretty much I came inside library. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so when, when you okay, so you came over. Did you apply to any other places besides Kent State? Oh yes, they uh, a lot of school. They love me, but they want me to start with a master degree. They say that uh, you know because you have taken only three accounting courses, so we want you to go to master degree. And by the way, you still have to make some for undergraduate courses. But uh, I have a I have a wife and son. I I didn't want to waste a lot of time to get my PhD, so I tried to shorten my, 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 my time or length to get my PhD degree. So I was very thankful that they gave me the opportunity. And Kent State allowed Kent State, yeah. And they pay, pay everything for me. I really thankful. Well, yeah, and we just, I mean, that goes back to what we said earlier. So the, uh, and you just have the, the one son? I just have one son, yeah. And so he was an infant at the time, or very young, toddler? No, yeah, it's just like a baby. Okay. Just like a baby. Um, yeah. Now, when you came to the United States, um, could, one, could you speak English? Me? Yeah. Oh, that was funny. Actually, I, I didn't really speak English in my daily life before 26 years old. Wow. So when, so when you came, okay, so you came over, how old were you when you came to the United States? Probably 27. So you just started speaking English like very so- soon before coming over here. Yeah, actually, I remember that uh, it was so difficult to even say, how are you, the first day to somebody wow. I see on the road. 
So what, what, what's your what's your first first language? A Mandarin Chinese. Mandarin. Yeah, and also I know I have two dialects in Taiwan. Okay. Okay. And yep. Is that common two dialects or is that? Yep. Yep. Yes. It's very common for people. Um. So okay. So you know full full Mandarin because that's what you grew yeah, up. Yeah, full Mandarin. Yeah. You, you can speak so fluently. Very fluently. Okay. Because yeah. some people lose it if they don't they don't practice all the time. So. Actually, I was I was uh, very good because I I even won a lot of uh, literacy literary uh, writing contest actually in, in, in high school yeah in high school so okay so you started did you start to speak english because you knew you were going to come to america well that was funny you know i i wasn't really fully prepared <laughs> <laughs> i think my my english grammar everything they are okay but i just can't i just couldn't speak so i remember i took my first tofu exam you know tofu exam that was for, for that was the part that you have to listen to English and you have to speak. Okay. Oh, that one I that one I, I, I scored terribly. So you could read English and write English. And write, yeah. It was, the, it was hearing it. Was yeah, hearing, it. yeah. And also, also, I come from an area that there was no English radio station. So in my time, actually, I, I wasn't actually prepared to come to USA even before twenty six years old. I came to the United States just actually. I decided to come here just a couple of months before I took the. Before I decided to take the exam, um, did, did you, I mean I, I'm guessing there were some nerves involved coming over. Well, it's uh, I was very brave. I was so brave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I didn't know how I come up with such a courage, but at that time I feel that my father will will bless me. You know, and uh, I. I don't know what happened, but do, do you find that responsibility of a wife and a child? Exactly, yeah. and also I know that uh, my, if I don't do something, then my my family will rely on me, and I'll be in trouble because yeah. I didn't really like my job at that time. So I decided to to come to the USA. Um, I think that the it's funny when you we, I think you talked about before, like with. Uh, you know, whether you have teammates or in sports or whether you have just friends and stuff, or like you said, your, your professor that you were friends with that was kind of a mentor to you. It's like, I think if somebody, you feel accountable to somebody, you do better. And I think when you talked about, um, like when I got married and then especially when I had my first kid, it was like the same thing. It was like, okay, you got to like buckle down and, and step up a little bit because now you have people that rely on you. And it's not yes. just, like if I screw up and it's just myself, then I screw up and it's just myself. And like, I only harm myself. But now if I don't put in time or effort, Especially when you have children that are a hundred percent reliable on you, if I slack off, then they're they're kind of screwed. They're like, you know, Dad, like what what the heck, you know? So, you know, so that's kind of the one thing that kind of gave me, like you said, lit the fire a little bit under me when I started having children, and when I got married, then started having children was, okay, like you got other people that are that are relying on you, and now you're kind of like this little little ecosystem of a team that you got to make the, you know, you got to make things work and step up and help each other out and. Even though the kids are young, they still are, you know, they're still kind of ingraining, you know, you got to help mom and dad out and you got to. Yeah. And also, you know, you have, you'll be a very good uh, role model for that. Yeah. Well, you try it, And that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, there's no, there's no playbook to parenting. You know, you kind of, you figure it out and you can get advice from people, but at the end of the day, it's what's worked best for you and your family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always a learning curve and as kids grow and I mean, you're still experiencing it now, your son gets older and you're still learning, you know, different things about him and about your wife and as you guys grow and different wants and dreams and, and you know things in life that pop up and you just you figure it out like life's hard but you figure it out so yeah, yeah that's life um so you came can't stay came to can't stay how was that experience well i that was actually i made some good friends over there and uh just like what i say you know i spend uh 
the the first two point five years actually, I, I I just take a lot of courses, and uh, I remember that uh, there was actually a lot of pressure for me too because I remember that before we are, we are allowed to take the comprehensive exam, which happened probably two point five years after PhD program, mm-hmm. after we joined the PhD program, and uh, I remember we we were we were we were required to 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 come up with a research article. So in other words, you know, I have to come up with a research article, present it. Then I will be allowed to take the comprehensive exam. So it was, kind of, was that kind of like a dissertation? Yeah, kind of like a pre-dissertation type of thing. Okay. And the problem was, all my classmates, they, they started their preparation for this pre-dissertation article at the beginning of summer. I was still making up my accounting courses <laughs> in the summer. So you weren't even like, you didn't have all your like prerequisites all done. You're still like... No, no, no. Actually, I, I, I talked to a professor. I say, <laughs> you know, I have to make up my accounting courses and then, and also I have to teach. I have to do a lot of things. So can I take the comprehensive exam maybe one year later? He say, it's better not to do that because there's no benchmark to protect you. Because you're the only one going. Yeah, if you are... So the there's only, no curve or bell Yeah, curve. there's no curve or, or, you know, if you're better than other people, they cannot fail you. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, but if you are the, the person alone, yeah, then, yeah, it's hard to say, right? Yeah, so that that was the idea. So I was like, okay, I'm in trouble. So I remember the September first, that that was yeah almost beginning of the semester, you know, and I know that uh, I need to get something done in that semester. Otherwise, I have to defer my comprehensive exam for one year. Could you have take, taken it one year? I can do that, but that would waste my time for okay. graduation. Yep. So that means one more year I have to wait. Yep. So I was like, okay, I'm really in trouble. So I asked my wife and my son, I say, okay, please return to Taiwan. Okay, so I asked them to return to Taiwan. So, so I, would, I would totally just, so I pretty much, I just came inside my office. Wow, so you're, and your wife took, and your son went back to Taiwan? They went back to Taiwan. So I asked them. the family was there? Yeah, family there. So I asked them to return to Taiwan. I say, now I'll just pretend I don't exist. <laughs> so, so I was in that office. And I work, let me tell you my schedule. I got out of office, 2 a.m. I returned to office, 8 a.m. Every day? <laughs> Almost every day. And this was just learning and learning and learning and reading and- Reading, reading and, and write, writing stuff. And the wrong compu- coding. So I have to do, I have to do computer programming to, to do a lot of research. And this was about a year of this? Actually, that was, that was, the, that was the time for the pre, pre-dissertation article so that was uh, I w- that was the semester I have to finish the pre-dissertation article before I'm allowed to take the exam in April next year so how long was this point away from your family okay away from my family uh, it's probably three months so I have a three months I just just totally pretty much came inside my library inside my office and library and I just just do everything on my own. Just kind of grind it and got it yeah. done. Yeah, and let me tell you a joke. Actually, that was very funny because I. <laughs> so so I worked so hard, and uh, even before comprehensive exam, I still work very hard. Pretty much the same schedule until April of next year. Okay, so I'm talking about from October to April of next year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the schedule like this. And uh, I have a classmate, who is, uh, okay. Who is American? Okay, just just a regular American student, and he has uh, he has his his dormitory just beside the parking lot of the school of business, college of business, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. 
So one day he told me that he said, "Jason, I cannot tolerate you anymore." You know, guess what? Every night, sometimes he woke up right one a.m. in the morning. His 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 dormitory window just faced the parking lot of the school business. He saw my car is still there. <laughs> he said, "You Asian people do not sleep." So remember, he said that I was laughing out loud. So, so did you just—is that true though? Like you could just function off a of low sleep? No, actually, you know, it's a lot of stress. But we we are we are educated just like what I tell you. We're educated under the culture that uh, mm-hmm. we believe that to uh, we can sacrifice a lot to achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. So we were people like that. So just like I, I asked my wife, said, "Please leave me with my son. Stay home in Taiwan. Enjoy your time. Now I'm gonna have to survive here." And just focus, hundred percent. Just hundred percent focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so that you ended up, let's you accomplished the test, the goal, and you got the PhD. Yes, actually, we are. Yeah, that was a that was that was a huge. You know, the the the, the comprehensive exam. We have eight questions, just eight questions. Every question is for one hour writing, and so you have four questions on one day, and uh, you know, two two days for two, for eight questions. I remember I finished that uh, that exam, and I was totally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and uh, you know we have to pass at least two two parts out of four parts of the exam in order to to be able to retain the two parts we passed. So I was very lucky actually. I passed the four parts, you know, at one time. So that that was something actually I always remember. I really thankful for that. I mean, day one you got all the answers correct. Uh, actually, you know, they, 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 there's no correct answer. It's it, it, it's it's mainly just just essay writing. So you're you're writing one hour essay for one question. You have eight questions to answer. So as long as you showed comprehension and showed that you understood the problem and yeah, it's uh it's probably more than that. For example, they will ask you about something. Okay, for example, uh. Could you talk about some recent uh, articles related to earnings management? That means you know how CEO, CFO, or the corporations they they manipulate their earnings. And uh, could you talk about the the recent research and uh, what would be the future prospect of in this area? So it's closed book. So it's just all off of memory. Yeah. So you have to mention at least like five to ten. Research articles you remember with, with authors' last name and years, and you have to remember what they say. Wow! Yeah, and, and you didn't know you, what the questions were. No, and you have to put everything together, and then you have to write something based on that. So one hour for one question like that, you have eight of them. So you got to start writing quick. Writing quick, and also you have to prepare yourself very well. So I, I was like actually investigator. Before taking the exam, so I have all the different articles. Oh, kind of like the wall, board. yeah, just just like spider web yeah, wall, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. just just link all of them together. So the, <laughs> those were crazy life, yeah. I, I remember that I the the night before the exam, I left the library at uh, at midnight, okay, and I have a classmate who was from China. She was on phone, talking to her family in China, crying. <laughs> Because she didn't pass. No, actually, that was the night before the exam. Oh, just stressed out. Yeah, just stressed out. 
Wow. And how many how many um, students sat sat during the exam? We have uh, every year we have uh, four students. You know, sometimes three. Wow. So this is like the PhD level. So PhD the, the girl crying on the phone, you knew. Actually, yeah, we are we're good friends even until today. Really? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is kind of like a really close knit group of like. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're yeah. All going so into we're this. yeah, and uh, they they the the professor I remember he always say that uh, you know we will wipe out one or two out of four every year. Wow. So the four take it success rate of is like fifty percent. Yeah. If we fail, then we have another chance. But if we cannot complete four parts in two settings, then we are out of PhD program. Wow. Yeah. So and out of the four parts, that's the eight questions. Eight questions. So you yeah. had to pass. You had to pass four of the eight or two of the. You have to pass like a, you have to answer four questions. At least four questions of the eight. Of the eight, yeah. In the oh, in the, so in the could, satisfactory. So you could right? punt a question if you didn't want to answer it. No, you can. Yeah, if you don't like want to. Theory: If there's four questions and you're like, I know number one, but number oh, two no. and three are hard. I'll wait till number no, four. No, you, you you cannot skip any question because two questions for one part. So four parts, you have eight questions. Oh, so you have to, okay, gotcha. So you have to, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah, so you're you're full on. But like you said, it's mentally just exhausting. Mentally exhausting, yeah. Um, so once you pass that, was that it? You got your PhD? No, actually we have, a, then we start our PhD dissertation. Oh, so that's the final thing you do. The dissertation is like a, a massive research paper. Exactly. Like so project. At, yeah, after we pass the comprehensive exam, then we will be allowed to work on the proposal for our dissertation. So then our proposal will be reviewed and in the past. Then we will be allowed to do the dissertation. So wow. we are talking about... And this is a span of what, probably two, three years? Well, actually, the average, the average time of length for an accounting PhD to graduate in the United States is 5.5 years. Most of the PhD actually they talk about PhD usually they talk about four years, but in the accounting field, it's very rare for people to graduate in four years. I was pretty lucky already. I graduated in four point five years. So that that was just the, that was just Kent State. Actually, I'm talking about a number the for the nationwide for PhD in accounting. The average time to graduate nationwide in the United States. Is five point five years, but that's five point five years in uh, at going for your PhD in school. That doesn't count your masters or undergrad. It's or... just PhD, yeah. That's after wow. master. So, so really, you went four years of say bachelor, one to two years of a master, and then you had could be six years on top of that. Yeah, so someone can... could be going to school for uh, basically another dozen years. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and you come out at like my I'm thirty one, so you come out almost at thirty one out of school, finally being like I'm done school. You spend your twenties in school. Exactly. Actually, that's that's even more than uh, it, that's probably equivalent to a medical doctor. They finish their residency, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you probably curious about that. Uh, you know, have, have you found that actually a lot of accounting faculty, accounting professors in the United States, actually they are not, they are not born in the USA. Well, I mean, at Plattsburgh, we, we, I was actually talking with a friend of mine mm -hmm. uh, before, and she went to Plattsburgh, mm -hmm. and uh, the only person I know. From when I was in school, it was an accounting was Dean. Okay, yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming Dean America? Yeah, yeah, he, he's his lecturer. But like yeah. uh, Dr. Gaber, I don't know where Dr. Gaber was from. Yes, he was from... He's in the New York City. He looked, yeah, he was from uh, Egypt. Egypt, that's Egypt, right, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, this is what happened in the USA. You know, I, let me just give you an idea about this. I remember when I get my PhD, I got an invitation to a new PhD 
conference. So I went there. So I was just curious because it's all the PhD, new PhDs in the accounting field for the, from the whole, whole United States. So I look around, 80% to 90%, probably 80%, okay, of the PhDs, I'm very sure they are not born in the USA. Was this now mostly Asian or was this all over the world? Actually, I... Like you're talking in Europe, Africa, yeah, I, I South can, America? I, because I, I, I can only judge this one based on the accents, mm -hmm. their accents. Okay, so, so I would say that a lot of people actually, they are not born in the United States. So they all speak English like me with, uh, with foreign accents. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I often think about this question, you know, why there are not many Americans willing to become accounting professors? Now, one first reason probably because it's very tough mm -hmm. and you require a lot of math skills in the PhD level. Another reason is because a lot of American students, they, after they graduate from accounting program, they can enjoy their life as accountants already. Yeah. Yeah, in the CPA firms. So they don't really have to bother for, bother for becoming an, an accounting professor, you know, because it's, it's a hard road to go. So I'm very actually I'm um, I respect those those people who who go through accounting program, and uh, and that means they really enjoy accounting as a as a profession. Now, have have you ever thought about doing anything privately? Like, see, do you do taxes for people? Do you do accounting for people? Do you do bookkeeping? Well, I I, I sort of that. Okay, I did I did that sometimes voluntarily for for helping people, my neighbors. Yeah, your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, I didn't really do that for for getting another job. Okay, I, first of all, I'm uh, I'm not much into uh, taxation. For me, those things can be done by software. Like now, TurboTax. Yeah, TurboTax. Yeah. Those things easily now. So I'm not that much into those type of thing. Yeah. So I I I, I would rather re reserve my time. For doing something else, like writing research articles. Um, now, so so you do. I'm assuming you do your own taxes fairly well, right? Well, I personal tax is not. Uh, it's different. It's um, you know there are not too many tricks you can play with, you but, know, for personal taxes. But yeah. accounting in regards to like a business, like business accounting, that stuff that you would you would dive into and like that. Oh, business accounting, yeah, that, that that's something really interesting for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially manager accounting. I love manager accounting because numbers when they are combined with the human motivations, there are a lot of things to investigate. So ma managerial accounting, what is that? Okay, mm -hmm. basically, In a nutshell. okay. For example, uh, basically is uh, how how we use those accounting information to make decisions. Okay. Yeah. So for example. You know, you you use accounting information to to know that whether or not your your business will be break even, mm -hmm. and uh, you have a business plan, and uh, you you wonder will this business plan be successful <laughs> in the future? Sometimes you know people think they are doing a good job, but you know if if you have somebody actually looking over the business plan, somebody probably already tell you by math, <laughs> mathematics, you know these things will not work out. <laughs> so so one of the uh... One of the things I've been talking about, like about thinking and things like that, a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, looking more at the numbers and the books and everything else, but then also looking at metrics and looking at, you know, things that we can look at, like KPIs, like 
performance indicators yep. that can help us um, establish whether we should make decisions or, you know, whether it be investment or reinvestment or whether it be, you know, hiring, whether it be, you know, and, and all the stuff that ends up, you make decisions based off numbers. Cause like I yes. said, num- numbers, the, the cliche numbers don't lie, but they don't, they're really, they're, they're black and white. It's like, and you see the numbers and it allows you, and obviously there's ranges and there's like, you know, I'm sure it's not like it has to be over hundred, but you could be like, well, hundred plus or minus a deviation or whatever. And that would give you kind of a, a, a comfortable range that something could fall in, but you could base decisions off of that and say, okay, listen, we're overspending here, underspending here. Maybe we're not, maybe our conversion rate here is not very good. How can, or now can we focus on that to bring that up? And then, but a lot of it does, I mean, numbers are so powerful. Yeah, numbers are so powerful, especially right now. A lot of people, they think that, when a lot of kids, they think of accounting, they probably think of what? Bookkeeping? Yeah, bookkeeping. I, like I would think like yeah. CPA taxes, things like that. Yeah, the bean, count, bean counters, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, right now, actually, uh, in the accounting field, actually, we are we're experiencing something we call a accounting revolution now. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, when you... A lot of people frequently ask me these questions, um, saying something like, oh, now you know everything can be computerized. So does it mean that the accounting graduates will have no future? Mm-hmm. Actually, exactly opposite. Actually, this is the best part of accounting. Just like for me, you know, I, I don't like bookkeeping, okay? Bookkeeping for me is just, it's just, just yeah, just boring. So it's, it's, you know, just requiring a lot of labor, yeah. right? And it's not that creative. So doesn't make I, you I, think. Yeah, I really think that the human power should be should be wasted on this. And uh, thanks to technology, now we have a lot of software that allowed us to do this. QuickBooks, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and the bill bill.com, those type of things. So there are a lot of things you can do with those things. And so so accounting graduation right now they. Don't need to be bookkeeper, and they had better not expect this, expect them, themselves to be bookkeepers because that would be automated. Yeah, that would be automatic, and it's not a good idea. And uh, so, actually, in the accounting field now, we really need people who are like researchers, like investigators. Just think about this: everything they automated, but how do you know those things they are done right? Can somebody manipulate the system, and then? Do something evil to create false information for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. So now in the accounting world, the most important thing is, as accountant, we have to know where the data comes from. And we have to know technology. We have to know how to audit mm-hmm. those information. And we have to know how to detect frauds. So now actually forensic accounting is a very booming area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also in addition to that, uh, for a lot of auditors, now they need to know a lot of things, not only just accounting. They have to know accounting, finance, they have to know a lot of other business concepts. And most importantly, they must up- update themselves with the newest technology. How has, and I'm going from, uh, again, I graduated college in 2011. Um, so we're 10 years removed at least from that. And mm-hmm. depending when I took your classes back then, um, how has technology changed? Because I mean, ten, 10 years that we've had, I mean, the amount of, amount of um, evolution within technology over the last 10 years is amazing. And it's not going to stop. It just keeps compoundingly getting it crazier. Just, so It's getting crazy. So how, over the last 10 years, how has technology changed for you personally? 
okay. least with maybe in SUNY or just however you do research. Yeah, I remember like 16 years ago, I met my colleagues, you know, Dr. Uh, Elask, you know, we, we talk about Excel at that time. Excel at that time was, uh, was, was not it as a little new. Yeah, it was a little new. And yeah. I told him, I said, wow, this is going to be something in the future. Okay, so at that time, so later I w we learned how to do the v VBA programming mm -hmm. using uh, using Excel, those type of things. And then now, you know, now the, the technology, they are all over the place. Okay, for example, we talk about the database management, SQL. Okay, so there are a lot of technology out there and depending on the purposes. And uh, in the accounting field right now, there are so many options too. And uh, we have artificial intelligence, now and with automation so all the things actually they are growing rapidly in the following decade so i would say that uh, it already changed a lot in the past decade but in the next decade it's gonna be crazy you just think that more technology is going to come into the fold and is, is it improving accounting oh well it's or uh, how does it i guess i should say improving accounting but has accounting evolved exactly we evolved think about this you know a lot of things actually we were doing Okay, say 20 years ago, if you do the accounting, you probably will come up with those accounting information. Then we will use what? Probably at most Excel spreadsheet to do some calculation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, all the things, they're automated. They are sent to dashboard of the decision makers mm -hmm. with all the information linked to those, thing, those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Analytics and statistics. Yeah, analytics. And yeah, yeah. And also, there are more information they need to be analyzed. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all those things now they are automatic there, okay? And uh, they need, also they need somebody to come up with more information. And those things, they were done by a PhD like me 20 years ago. But now they are like, like a day-to-day -day operation for a, for a college graduate in any corporation. So, okay, so, so basically what was uh, advanced back then is now just basic. So yeah, now it's so basic. It's ABCs now. It's ABC now. And they keep changing. Even, even for college professors, we, we, we are worried that we are left behind. Because it's just evolving so quick. Yeah, it's just evolving so quick. So really, like you got to keep your pulse on the industry. Exactly. And also, also my advice for a lot of college graduates, graduate is, or college students is, you know, don't worry about your major. I say major, they are important, but don't worry about exactly which major you, you are in. For example, somebody like you will say, I'm interested in business, but I don't know which major I should go to, accounting or finance or something else. I would tell the business students that it doesn't matter. Because once you are in business field, sooner or later, the, the borderlines between different among different majors, mm -hmm. they are blurred. Yeah, they blend together. Yeah, they all blend it together. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. You know, you just let, let your interest lead you toward those directions because your future jobs, they are not even created today. Yeah. And I, well, I had, a, I had someone on the podcast yesterday. She started her own business and um, she's about a year in. And I was kind of talking about it because, you know, we started our own business. Like people think like they see the stuff they see like maybe on the shelf or in the rest or store, restaurant, whatever. But they don't see the hours behind the scenes that you're doing all this stuff and you learn bookkeeping, you learn accounting, you learn the stuff that, you know, you dive into it. And I'm going to ask you about this book in a sec, but like you start diving into stuff and the whole purpose of it is, is like you're trying to survive, but it's forcing you to learn this stuff. So the same thing, like I went for supply chain management. I never went into the field of supply chain management, but I understand, you know, the idea of like having to always improve the process and the systems and, and you know, being you know, making sure that you're efficient, making sure that everything logistically fits. And, you know, and I think I, there's stuff I took away from college that applies to our company 
or my day-to-day world that I can look at and say there's there's a lot of we talk about similarities there's a lot of things in accounting and finance and there's there's a lot of what do they say like truths there's a lot of things that are, are true in so many um parts of 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 business you can strip down and really find like what's the common denominator amongst all these businesses mm-hmm. and a lot of them are the same and then you start like you said building up this so those are your building blocks but at the end of the day there's a lot of very common denominators amongst in life yep that you build off of um in like i said relationships we talked about but like numbers are numbers you know mm-hmm. what i mean you can't change i guess a quick question for you and this is something i might have to do a google search on or, okay or, but who invented math Wow, because and I wouldn't say math because mm-hmm. counting like, like I don't know. Like I have a pile of of rocks. How many rocks do I have here? And then we got to figure out a way to count the number of rocks. So the concept of like putting numbers behind something and again, this is something I'd have to research. So if you don't, I think know, that's a human nature. There, you know, since we since the ancient time, you know, people they they trying to to track down, for example, how many animals they hunt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there had to be some type of, of number counting. But then yes. you start going into advanced numbers, mm-hmm. calculus, you know, anything that, like, when you start dealing into, like, you know, standard deviation, start da- dating into to, to the certain power or, or uh, square root of something, like, mm-hmm. who came up with that? And the pi, who came up with pi? Like, all these complex numbers that... You would still look at mm-hmm. and still, you know, even though if you're not a mathematician, you're still understanding this stuff. You know, like, did the like Egyptians making the pyramid the way they did, or was that aliens? You know, who knows? But you know, the, the idea that yeah. you know all this stuff came. Like, I, I'm just wondering, like, who was the the person or the civilization that just said we're now going to start doing numbers? You know, I think those numbers they make they it are, universal. Yeah, they're very. You know, I think it's not just one person invented that. For example, uh, let's talk about pi. You know, pi, when we talk about pi, we probably think about pi is from the Western culture, right? But actually, the, the concept of a pi, similar, actually, the concept of pi actually was also av- available in Chinese history. I, I was going to say Chinese. Yeah, because they, they didn't really talk to somebody in the West at that time. Yeah. But uh, because human, we are, when we're going, going, by, going through the path of human development, and uh, there was a time that uh, we, we come up with something actually, you know, simultaneously, but, you know, during different stages, but uh, there's something similar, you know, in different Just cultures. Just humans there. in different areas yeah, of the world different came, areas started coming developing the same. Yeah, they developed something people, similar. They all think, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like we're so similar that we all think the same at, yeah. at some level. Yeah. You know, basically we're, we're thinking differently is because our, our environment. Or, or or circumstances yeah. we have, yeah, yeah, the nurture aspect of, of exactly. Life. Yep. Yeah, for example, in Chinese culture, the 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 most innovative time period in Chinese in China Chinese history was the time that uh, there was uh, many countries they are attacking each other, one another. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, it, well, the warring warring time? Uh, what's that called when you go and you take? Yeah, you take a country. Um, Starts with a knee, doesn't it? Yeah, like a warring nations, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in ancient China, there were so many countries, and they they attack one another. That was the time actually they invented a lot of things. But that's when they got those ideas and cultures. Exactly, and, yeah. those things from. Yeah, so human actually, we are doing the the, the same thing. Even we are when we're, we're developing different places. But I think that's what we think about. Like the United States is t- 
typically looked at as a leader in so many things, but it's a leader because everybody goes to the United States and then like all the ideas are just jammed upon. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, exactly. You kind of like throw everybody together. Yeah, um, think about nuclear technology that was from Germany. Yeah. And, yep. And uh, there, there are a lot of things in the USA. They are they're from foreign countries too. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating when you think because at the end of the day, if everybody's trying to evolve, then you should always have the best version of human existence always moving forward in theory because you, you should be bringing the best out of people at all times yep I, I i think you know you know as a collective i should say exactly yeah i think in, in the past few years actually this, the united states actually was not t too friendly towards immigration yeah yeah but uh, we, we actually in this country we didn't realize that uh, actually a lot of people that come to the united states you know, they are not really stealing American jobs from here. You know, sometimes I was joking with my friends, say, look, in Taiwan, my government pay me to go to graduate school. Mm -hmm. My government spends so much money on me in Taiwan, but I choose to come to USA and work for this country. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look around, for example, in school business of a Plattsburgh state, there are so many professors, you know, we are we are actually educated in foreign countries, mm -hmm. and then we came to the United States. So just think about it. Actually, there, there are a lot of resources actually the United States government saved. Yeah. By you know via the immigration, accepting accepting the immigrants from foreign countries like us. Yeah, I mean, my my grandfather came from Ireland, so like you know what I mean. So it's like you get you kind of look at the immigration aspect of it. It's just that's how a lot of us ended up coming to be. You know, like we yeah. got we got here somehow. I, I guess that makes me third generation. He was, third generation? he was one. My mom would be second generation, I guess. So it'd be third. So um, now in regards to Plattsburgh State, what got you to Plattsburgh State? Well, I, that was funny. I, my first job offer was, uh, was in University of Texas, one campus. And uh, yeah, actually, no, it's a, uh, it's a uh, Bronzeville. Okay. Yeah. And I, I didn't go there. And then I decided to go to uh, Louisiana State University. And uh, they were very kind to me because they, they allowed me to, to accept the job offer first. So they allowed me to, to spend one more year on my dissertation. So basically, one year before my graduation, I already had a job waiting for me. Yeah, so that's a huge burden, like, like yeah. or, or insurance kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing, yeah. But, and, I, and then I went there to, uh, to Louisiana. And I worked so hard there. So I was teaching uh, MBA programs there. I worked so hard. And then I suddenly think of, whoops, I am using my work visa. I need to apply for a green card. Okay. Yep. And then I check with uh, someone and they say, whoops, you are in trouble because I signed a country with Louisiana State one year before I went there. And uh, according to the immigration, I need to apply for green card in 1.5 years. And when I started my green card application, it already passed 1.5 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so it turned out to be I was in trouble for, for green card if I keep staying there. So then I decided to go to the market to find the other jobs. So in order to start my green card process. So if you took a job at a different college, it would let you restart the process? Yeah, I would restart the process. Okay. Actually, that, I was actually thinking if you came up to here because you could go to Canada, like if there's something where you had to like live out of this country for a certain period of time and then come back to the country. No, I don't have to, but okay. uh, I just have to get a new country. 
So that, that so that was purely the only reason. That's that's so, the main so reason really I left you getting into accounting and getting to Plattsburgh State was just a lot of like kind of like dumb luck that just happened like things that were out of your control and things you wanted to avoid and things that kind of like you said like the military well i want to get in the county to avoid the military now it's like louisiana like oh, i gotta come up to some place to get another contract where because you would have potentially stayed in louisiana state yeah i could stay there but uh, when i decided to go for market again actually i had like four job offers around that time oh wow, okay. four job offers and three job offers actually Plattsburgh gave me the job offer which is the lowest in salary Really? Lowest, yeah. And, that, and the but, other three schools, actually, they have the highest salary. You're probably curious about why I make such a decision, right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. area, maybe? I don't know. But, <laughs> but like I said, it's cold up here, so maybe the other ones are a little, well, little warmer. Well, actually, the first, the first reason is, you know, I really love this area. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's close to Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's just one hour away. So I like to be in a place that is not too far away from the metropolitan area. Yeah, and Mont- Montreal is a world city. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I love a, Montreal. Yeah, that's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. And another reason, actually, that's actually what, what Plattsburgh offer. I remember I talked to a Dr. Gaber, yeah. who, who, who was the de- department chair, and now he's a department chair, too. And uh, mm. I talked to him, and I remember in the hotel room for, very, for an interview. Supposed to be like a 15-minute interview, but we end up talking like one hour. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself, like, okay. You know, I, I want to work for somebody I love. Mm-hmm. So that was actually one main reason. And then I came here, I realized that this place actually is so friendly. And uh, the, 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 the culture of, uh, for the faculty actually, they are very, very nice, a, a little laid back, mm-hmm. but not, uh, not, not, not like many other campuses, they, they keep pushing people. So do you, do you find that maybe the more laid back was a, was a complete 180 from what you had grown up with? A little more strict or a little more, where you kind of were wanting that, a little more relaxation? Yeah, and is that, that relaxation feeling made me feel that, uh, well, this is something I, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think I have a lot of pressures already in my life. And uh, of course, I, I, will be, I will be a hardworking person anyway. But I just feel that I, I want a culture that, that will allow me to be, to sometimes feel a little re- more relaxed, slow down. And do you think that Dr. Gaber, his presence and his, I, he's, he's an interesting, I, I got to get him on this because he's an interesting man. And I think he's one that if you collectively asked students, they would all have a very, very, very favorable opinion of him. And I, I and same with you, I think that, out of all of my professors at Plattsburgh, it's funny that two of my favorite ones both came out of accounting, but I never went into accounting. But I enjoy <laughs> both of the classes, and I think I think it was the passion that both of you had for the subject. And I also think the one thing that you can t- people are going to hear this as you mm-hmm. talk and everything else. But you made accounting fun. You weren't the monotone professor. You go through college and you hear so many monotone professors. I had a couple where I was like, oh my god, like I. I got to sit through this for like an hour and 15 minutes and it's, the, the person never raised or lowered their voice. They just talked like a machine oh, yeah. and you were always excited. You would talk about it and it's something as accounting to the, the I would say the normal person is not a very interesting subject or, or especially if you're going through and taking it as a college kid and maybe not in accounting that mm-hmm. it wasn't jumping out at you and you made it fun and you made it interesting and it was kind of one where like, I don't know what we're going to learn about today, but we learned about accounts receivable yesterday and those were interesting, you know, and like, and, and I found that, is that something that you take, that you focus on, is it your delivery, or do you think that it just naturally happens 
with your excitement and kind of what I was piggyback off what you just said with mm-hmm. Dr. Gaber, do you think that his passion for accounting was a reason why you came here and maybe why a reason you work so well or haven't left because you guys just have kind of a good synergy there? Yeah, I, I think it's the, it, it, it's the culture that, that allowed us to be ourselves. Okay, for example, you know, in, 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 in one of my positions before, you know, sometimes I have, I have colleagues that are hostile towards me. Mm-hmm. But in Plattsburgh, I don't have to worry about this type of thing. So here... They're encouraging. Yeah, they're encouraging me. I remember one time, actually, I, one student actually always looked mad in my class. I was like, did, did I do anything wrong with this person? Right? And then I, I, then I feel that my emotion was, uh, was stirred. And I feel a little unhappy. Mm-hmm. So I told Dr. Gabriel, say, that person really gave me a lot of trouble. Whenever I see this person, I'm going crazy. And Dr. Gabriel just told me, why don't you just talk to him? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought to myself, yeah, I didn't think of that. So I talked to this person. Then I realized why, what's going on. And then, then the problem resolved. Mm-hmm. So, so is this positive culture issue that makes things very, very simple in Plattsburgh? And I think I, it's, it's contagious too. You know, Dr. Gabriel actually told me a lot of things about the way he treats people, he treats students. So for me, you know, I'm doing exactly the same thing. So when, when my students, they need my help, I, a lot of professors will have the attitude like, okay, I don't really trust you. And then this, pro- this person probably trying to find excuses. But actually, I found that uh, if I listen to what they say, and uh, I think more for them, actually, they, they will actually work harder for me. For example, one student, actually, I, she, was, uh, she was like two chapters behind. And uh, she talked to me and say, my life is crazy. Some professors might just close the door and say, you are flunked. Mm-hmm. But I talked to this person and said, I'm willing to work with you. So I, I, I adjust this person's homework schedules and everything. And this person was so grateful. And then she came back to me saying something like, without you, actually one year later, she said, without you, I couldn't even graduate. Wow. Yeah. So I was so happy for something like this because I know that I'm making some more impact on people's lives. This is, for me, actually, is more, than, more important than research. Because my research articles, I don't know how many people will read them. <laughs> maybe yeah. 300 or 400, maybe some citations. But, uh, you know, they are not, not like super top tier. But I feel that I can do more, actually, by working with my students to have an impact on that. Well, yeah, I think that, I think from a human element, like I think most people, they have a favorable opinion of people. A lot of it has to do with them as a person, not necessarily like what they learned from that person, but maybe, you know, the support or maybe what they felt when they talked to you or maybe, like, even, like, take that example maybe that girl was down on her luck and said that you know this this is terrible and i just feel like i'm you know that the sky's falling and here's someone that maybe that their initial conversation was like this guy's gonna hate me because i'm falling behind and instead yeah. you took the exact opposite approach and said well here let me look what can we do let's find a solution together teamwork and let's you yes know. and then i think at that point it was like good i i can now trust this professor and i maybe this has given me a little spark or a little bit of a boost of you know just a little bit of energy or positivity that might have carried into some other part of her life or maybe one of those problems completely disappeared because of something you did. Like those small, like you said, smiling at people goes a long way. You know, and even like taking, like me, having been removed from college for 10 years and not ever have gone into accounting, I've only had great, like when I think of you and I saw you, um, they had posted that you had won the the, uh, distinguished teaching profession uh, or whatever what they gave you, the the SUNY Mm -hmm. chancellor, and I remember looking at that. I'm like, well, that's a guy I, I know deserves it just because and this is 10 years later. But I was still like, thank God. Like, that's awesome that he got it. 
and I hadn't talked to you in 10 years. And I was so excited that you, and, and again, you kind of, when you walked in, it was funny. You said, I don't, I remember your voice. And I, which <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny because I'm like, oh boy. So I think some people know, man, he must have talked throughout college too. But I think, uh, like I said, you still have an impact and you remember that. But you remember the positivity. You remember the people that are exuberant and they, you know, and I could see, to me, your passion overflowed the material. Like it was like, you made the material fun, but you also, I think, you know, pa- passion and, and positivity translate to students to take into their own lives into something they're passionate about. Yeah, actually, you know, you, you, when I prepared a, a lecture, actually, I, I need to come up with a lot of stories behind it. Then. Because for me, you know, numbers, they're just numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see those numbers, they are just, just code. Mm-hmm. There's are code numbers sitting there. But how can you make those things alive? So for me, you know, I, I need to to make, make a lot of stories and they are parallel to those numbers. So, so that, that's the way to make those numbers so interesting in class. So, I, good segment, because I, I, uh, I want to get to this before, before we uh, wrap this up, is, so, of course, I'm starting to look at, and it's kind of funny, is I had taken accounting and I understood a few things. I understand terminology a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like I remember the counts receivable, counts payable, dividends, you know, balance sheet. <laughs> I remember you used to have a jingle to remember songs and oh, things yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah. like, again, I still remember this. I don't remember <laughs> the actual song, but I'm like, this guy had a jingle for us to remember the song, you know, and, and balance sheets, everything's gotta always be, you know, the liabilities and uh, your, your assets equal your equity and, pers- and liabilities. Mm-hmm. Look at that, I still know, I don't, yeah. like, again, so yeah. good job. Yeah, yeah, good stuck, job. Stuck, <laughs> stuck. Um, but the whole idea was, you know, you had always made it fun. So then I was sitting there. I'm like, okay, I got to start to dive into more of the numbers. I want to start getting to the numbers. So my, okay. I have, a, I have a, uh, a business coach. Again, same thing. Like looking for someone to help me and coach. It's kind of like coaching okay. for sports, but coaching for business. So she's actually um, the CFO of a pretty massive organization. Okay. So Whoa. She, yes. So, of course, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, and I'm very open and I'm very uh, – uh, what's the word? I, I'm I, – I'm, I'm one of those, I'm like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Teach me. Like, I, like I'm okay. open because I want to get better. So she goes, the best book I ever read on accounting was this book called The Accounting Game. Wow. Which was basically basic accounting fresh from the lemonade stand. I'll give it to you. You can flip through okay. it. But, okay. Um, basically, what you talked about, it's a story. Now, I, I, full disclosure, I'm like five pages into it. But it's breaking down accounting as like dummy it down to you're running a lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. So for the layman person like me who has very limited knowledge of accounting, I'm thinking like, this is fun because it puts it in a perspective of like, all right, like what was your, what, the first few pages, like what was your initial cash, inv- cash investment? Well, I have $10 in my pocket. That's your initial cash investment. And then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but you got some money from your parents. So that's a loan. And, or, you know, and then you started like, okay, and you're, you got to pay your parents back by the end of, you know, the summer. Mm-hmm. So then you start learning about the concepts of them that you could bring into the real world. And you can find parallels, but I just thought it was funny. It's so simplistic. It looks like the the Charlie Brown lemonade stand, or the not lemonade stand, but like the the, the psychology booth or whatever that what Lucy used to run. But it's just this very generic lemonade stand. I used to sell lemonade as a kid, you know, and but it was the idea of all the stuff that came into it. So, does this look something that would be helpful? Actually, this exactly is something I would be looking for as a student. Yeah. Yeah. And I figure it's so, almost so dum- natural. it dummies it down to the point where it's like, because again, it get, it's intimidating. You start throwing around these terms and people are like, oh my God. And then, but you put it down in this sense, you're like, well, here's a real world application. Very simplistic. You, most of you probably sold lemonade on the side of the road as a kid. Yeah. Actually, accounting is not that difficult at all for me, you know, because, you know, if you stick to basic yeah. and then, then you have everything expanded, actually, it's not that difficult at all. A lot of people, actually, they feel frustrated because they... 
they didn't stick to those basic stuff. You know, they didn't, a lot of students, students, a lot of students, I found that uh, they got into, you know, into the mode to cram those knowledge too early. Yeah, they treat accounting just like a, like history books. They yeah, learn it and forget it. Yeah, learn and forget it. Yes, but it takes time for for us to absorb this type of knowledge and make them, just make them make sense in our brain. You, and you also want to. And this is why, again, in my business, when I talk about like autopilot, like why is why is buying and selling real estate for me pretty much on cruise control? Mm-hmm. Because I figured out, I figured out the basics of real estate enough. Because it's like you learn the basics, and the basics gives you the basic understanding naturally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you build upon that, and you build upon that, and you build upon that. And it gets very complex. Yes. And then what happens is it gets complex, and then your mind is all over the place. I'm like, well, what's the next? What's next? But then I find that if you could take it. Same thing as like simplifying a math problem. You simplify it back down to the basic level again, but having gone to that outer limit of like understanding all the craziness and all the nuances and all that, mm-hmm. but then stripping it down and like, okay, I know that exists, but what's, let's go back down and focus on what really matters. I find that by learning that any problem that comes to me, at least in my industry, I find it like a funnel. You can, it's, you, uh, you know, price is right. Plinko when they drop in, it goes around and goes down to the, like it hits off all the, the little disc hits off everything. Mm-hmm. I find that my problems or any, I say problems, but things I have to work through in real estate, it's like you throw it into a massive Plinko funnel and you drop the, the, the disc down and it goes and it hits off everything. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it funnels down to like six or seven different categories. Mm-hmm. So really it's, I can, I'm gotten to the point now where I can take pretty much any issue or problem and I can strip away, I, I, I know what to focus on. I strip away all the fluff that doesn't matter and I really come down to the basics and then I have a solution for that basic or I have a solution for the root problem of that, where that mm-hmm. might not be the actual problem, but something else is causing that. Mm-hmm. You, I'm, is, I'm guessing that's you in accounting. Is you've been able to, you know all the stuff, but you can strip it down to like, these are really the things you got to worry about in accounting. Exactly, because there, there are a lot of stuff, you know, there are, okay, a lot of stuff, they, they sound cool. A lot of teachers like to put something on an exam. They, they want students to cram those knowledge. Mm-hmm. But those things actually nobody will remember two years later. Actually, in, in recent years, I, I totally changed my methodology for teaching. I, I flipped my classroom already. Okay, let me tell you, you know, I used to lecture, right? Yeah. Yeah, but now actually I record everything with my video, PowerPoint video. So my students have to watch my video, and then they will come to class for the quiz. Then we, we will work on a lot of questions, and then also work on many case studies. So that's for the, for the traditional classroom. And for the online courses, actually now, I don't even require my student to take the exam close book. Because th- those are adult learners. Many of them, they are working, working in, a, in accounting firms. And the, they come, come to SUNY Plattsburgh because they want to learn. So actually, I have them take the exam open book. Mm-hmm. So with open book exam, but I give them complica- complicated questions to resolve in their homework and assignments and the quiz. So that's a lot of fun. Well, well, the the other thing too is very rarely in life are you going to have to rely on memory for certain things. Like if you had a problem like in accounting, if I have mm-hmm. a problem in real estate, I will go on the computer and I will Google it. I will ask questions. I So for me, I'm, I'm a problem solver. I figure out how to solve problems. Same, same thing with you. I like to think. I like to learn. I like to solve. But if I was to sit there and you say, Galen, take the same thing. We take a people as new agents come on, they have to take this New York state test to go to uh, to pass to become a, a real estate agent. Now mm-hmm. it's an absolute joke compared to what you had to do with what you've talked about for accounting, but it's still the idea that you're causing people to remember stuff for a test. And I tell every person, I said, remember it, 
I said, just remember it for the test and you can forget 98% of what's on there because it doesn't, it's not going to apply. And I said, when you, what you need to do is work the case studies. You have to find real world examples. Mm-hmm. You have to be out there in the field. You have to be in the trenches actually learning it and then putting and finding all the similarities and being able, like you said, the spider web of everything, connecting the dots and yep. like how does cause and effect and what's the relationship and correlation and figure all this stuff out where like opening a book and having someone have the answer, they still have to figure out and make the connection to that answer. And that's that's understanding, like you said, the basics and the how-to, not you gotta memorize this. Because memorization's got, but if you learn the concept, you'll understand the concept and yeah, take be, it with you. Yeah, because now we learn the basics and uh, you know, keep in mind that uh, this world is changing rap- rapidly. So so a lot of things actually we try to memorize, they, they mean nothing in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, the basics, they don't change. For example, mm-hmm. accounting equation, they will never change for, for, for 300 years. Okay, so low thing, we, if, if we stick to the basic, and then we, we become independent thinker, which is actually better for our students in the future. So yeah, yeah I don't require my students now to cram those things, but I want them to be able to say, okay, I forgot something, but I know where I can find it. And I know that I can always come back. And then when I come back, I pick it up very quickly. Yeah, and, and there's, there's got to be, when we go back, there's got to be certain truths of accounting that never change. Like the one I just said, like assets always equal uh, uh, liabilities plus equity, right? Yep. So that, and that never changes. That's, that's, a, that's a truth in, in accounting. That, that's true in accounting. Also, there are some basic concepts. For example, you know, when, how to recognize revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you cannot recognize revenue too early if you don't really earn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all, all those type of things. So the accounts receivable wouldn't really be earned revenue yet because you're still outstanding. Or accounts payable. Okay. Accounts receivable, they, they might be earned. Yeah. They, okay. might, they are earned actually. So that's, that's right. Because you earn, you can build people. Okay. Yeah. So that's, a, that, 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 that's something like that. Okay. So there's they something like that. They were, ne- they were, ne- they were not changed. And uh, so I, let me just give you some example. I, when, when I took my CPA exam, I took a bunch of exams. Every time I studied the same material. Three months later, if you asked me about the same thing, I couldn't remember anything. <laughs> I just forgot it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for, for, me, for me, I don't worry about it. If I, somebody asked me, I, I, I forgot it, but I don't worry about it because I know that I can always go back and I will pick that up very quickly. Yeah, because it fits in the concept exactly. of all the basics. Yeah. So the most important thing is that conceptual framework in our brain is not the details there. Yeah. And the thing is, all that stuff clouds the, the, what you should be focusing on. Exactly. It kind of gets in the way. It's a shiny object. It's like the, you know, I want to go, it's kind of like the sexy thing out there that looks cool. But then at the end of the day, it's like you said, go back to basics. It's like, it's like basketball. It's like, you got to know how to dribble. You got to know how to make a layup. You got to yep. know how to hit a foul shot. You got to know how to like box a guy out for a rebound. Yeah. But then everybody wants to do the cool, like behind the back passes and stuff like that. Well, it's like you can cut a guy and do a little like kind of shimmy and pass it off and it's going to be just as effective and have a, le- a much greater chance of effectiveness versus maybe a, a, a turnover Yep. in basketball terms. But it's yep. like, yeah, so it's kind of like don't get, don't get too fancy for the basics kind of deal. Exactly. So, um, Jason, I appreciate this again for time. We went a little, little long, for, which I'm fine with. I enjoyed, I enjoyed <laughs> listening to you. But um, I, you, you have not changed. I think you're the same guy I remember. Thank um, you. And uh, actually, question for you. I had your son... He used to do uh, spelling bees, right? Yeah, my son was uh, 
was a spelling bee champion twice. So this is a few years ago because I remember seeing it, was, it might have been in the paper on the news or something. And I saw it, I'm like, holy, that's Jason. Like, I remember, like, again, I hadn't seen you in a while, but then your son was like, oh, that's so cool that your son was good at spelling bees. Yeah, so again, he, he's just a smart guy. Like, yeah, he, he loved reading and uh, he really enjoyed those things naturally. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, I, I'm very proud of him. It, do you think he's kind of a chip off the block? He's, he's very similar to you? Well, I, I th- actually I feel that he's smarter than me. I don't know. Yeah. yeah every, every parent probably looking for that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good thing, right? You pass it on. Yep. And uh, my, actually, my grandpa, I didn't mention that. My, my grandpa was a professor too. Oh, so you have a little bit in the, when your mom, mom's a teacher. So I mean, yeah. you, had, you had the gene in you. Yeah. My grandpa actually came to the United States in 1930. And then he returned to China okay. to, uh, to establish some, some programs over there. And then my father actually, he, uh, my father actually ran away from home and joined the Chinese Civil War. And, okay. uh, but he joined the, the side that lost the war. <laughs> so he escaped from China to Taiwan. So I never see my grandfather in my life. And he, because he was still in China. Yeah, my, my grandfather actually died in 19, 1966. Because, oh, before you were born. Yeah, because he, he spoke against Chairman Mao. Wow. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, you know he was a specialist in entomology, so he spoke against communist communist party, and uh, because communist party actually around that time, their policy result in millions of people's death. Yeah, so so my grandfather actually criticized Chairman Mao, and then he got he got uh, sent away and uh, died somewhere. Well, I think, and that's the thing that we don't understand in history. I don't. I have no. Mm-hmm. I have no like. You hear about it, but you just mm. don't realize how, how crazy other parts of the, of the world are. I'm like, and I always look at it, I'm like, it's 2021 and things are still being done or treated like ancient times. And it's like, it's insane to me that it's like people, like they have just never evolved. Like, you know, in cer- like certain I things. I know, yeah. Just pe- people, people are, yeah, I have to say, yeah, there are a lot of burdens on, on people. I mean, on, our pe- on people's minds too. Yeah. You, know, you probably think about it, you know, how, how, can, how can people really get free? You know, with with our mindset, you know, yeah. Oh, tell you another history that is very interesting. Uh, do you know that uh, Korean War? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. From history. Yeah. You know, General MacArthur was fired by okay. by President Truman, right? I didn't. I you didn't know that did, because he he was too ambitious. He wanted to cross into China. Oh, go through. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it, after he pushed North Koreans. To the to it, the north north of North Korea, does that go right to China? Does it border China? Yeah, yeah, it's border China. Does, there's no yeah. country in between. So when, when he, he he was to the north of north of North Korea, so he he wanted to go keep going into China to to have conflict against the Red China. Mm-hmm. And do you remember that uh, around that time, actually, he President Truman has an argument with uh, argue with him, and uh, it, it turned out to be uh, President Truman. Uh, did not agree with, uh, did not trust General MacArthur because he he wants to limit the Korean War to to region, to a regional war, mm-hmm. not the not a total war against China. So he fired General MacArthur, and uh, but General Ma- MacArthur has an gr- agreement with our our leader in Taiwan at that time, who was a uh, Chiang Kai-shek, who was a detector, and uh, okay, made a story short. Before General MacArthur was fired, our leader sent 
like 500 paratroopers into China already to prepare for the landing. Of the U.S.? Of landing of Taiwanese troops because U.S. will go from north. Mm-hmm. Taiwanese army will go from south. To kind of squeeze it? Yes, to squeeze it, yeah. My father was the second batch of the paratroopers. Wow. Yeah, so my father was almost sent to China. But so because of General MacArthur was fired, so my father actually has a chance to stay in Taiwan. Wow, because that was it. That shut down that whole plan. Yeah, it shut down the whole plan. It's crazy. I mean, history and war and stuff, when you start like go back, especially it's, it's what was that, 70 years ago, something like that? And it seems like a whole other world, you know, but it's only 70 years, and that's a blink of an eye in, in regarding human civilization. Yep. It's been, I mean, it, like I saw this thing was like the United States is basically three generations long. Like that's it because it's a very young country. Yep. So you think in the grand scheme of things, like Taiwan has been, yeah, I mean, how long have people been living in Taiwan? Thousands of years, most yes. likely, right? Yeah, go it, to, uh, just like, like USA too, you know, we have a native people too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's insane how old these places are before they became, at least us, we're a very new country. Like we're, it's not, you know, not. Yeah, I mean, it's just insane to think about. And then you think about all the stuff that it had, didn't happen that long ago. And even just since I left college, how much the world's evolved in 10 years. It's like, holy crap. Like, things just it just go, 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 go. Because, yes. again, time doesn't stop. It just keeps moving and things happen and people do stuff. So, um, But, Jason, I appreciate you coming on. This was It was just great listening to you. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed you talking about accounting. We talked a little bit about it. But, I, like I said, you as a person, I think it was more interesting. And I me, think, me too, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to share my accounting knowledge with you. <laughs> It was good. You, you did a great job. The fact that I've, 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 I, I'm getting books like this to relearn it is just the fact that I haven't done it in ten years. But I, when I left the class, I, I knew accounting fairly good. Like I understood it. I could read it. I and, and the thing is, when I'm going through this stuff, I understand the terms. I know what the terms are. And looking at it, it's not foreign to me. It's just it's, re, it's a refresher. It's, yeah, I think exactly. You know, the point of education. Actually, I'm glad you say that because that means you know. My, my teaching was successful yeah, because, you know, after you're done with the course, you probably cannot remember a lot of things, but, you know, you love it. So you're not afraid of pursuing it. No, yeah, I, so, I'm actually, I know this sounds yeah, nerdy. I'm yeah. actually looking forward to reading this book. <laughs> like, I know it sounds crazy. Like, I showed my wife and she's like, oh, that's great, honey. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's like built like a lemonade stand and, and like yeah. I get excited about it. But because it, it, part of it is like it's, it's going to help me solve a problem and I get excited about it. So then you I want to dive into it and flip through it and like figure something out. Yeah, I feel that you will definitely be successful because what I can see from you is you're the person who always know how to ask the right questions. Yes. And yeah. I, I found out early, um, even in college, and, and I'm the kind of person if I go to – most people don't do this. If you go to a store – I instantly find the person that works at the store and just like point me in the right direction because I want to get out of here. Like I want to get in. I want to get my thing and get out. I don't Mm want to like wander around like looking down the aisles and try Mm -hmm. to find what I need. And same thing. If I don't know something, I think one of the things that I've done pretty well over the last 10 years or even longer is I find people that I know know more than me and then I listen to them and I I don't go in with an ego, meaning I – I know I'm not like if I talk to you about accounting, I'm not going to preach to you about accounting because I'm going to be like, Jason, tell me everything you know. And I'm just going to take notes. And I'm going to think and I'm going to listen and I'm going to hear your perspective on it. And I think by opening myself up to learning from other people and just realizing like I'm not one, I don't know everything and I, I don't know a lot about a lot of stuff. I know a, a lot by about a very, very small amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I, my ego is not. I'm fine knowing I don't know it, but I know I, I would love to learn it. And then I find people that are really good at it because one, it saves me time. And it's a quicker path to success. 
you talk about the efficiency, mm-hmm. but then two, it's, I could learn something, but I could ask you, but you have the years and years and years and hours of knowledge that you can find the problem or find, again, you could simplify it down even further and say, well, I'm be like, yeah, but doesn't this make sense? You're like it does, but because of this, this, and this, you'd yes. want to change it. And yeah. I might not have that. I, I, I don't have that peripheral vision within accounting to see that. And you do. And that's why I would look at you as like, you are, a, you are an expert in accounting. Therefore, someone needs to know accounting. Talk to Jason. Don't fake it. Like go talk to a, someone that actually knows what they're doing. And the other thing too, is I found that people that know stuff want to, want to teach it, want to give back. And if someone came to you and had an accounting question, you would love to give that spread that knowledge to somebody else. It's not you'd be like, don't talk to me. You'd be like, oh yeah, what do you want to know? Let's go into it because you're excited to teach. Yes, and also you know, I, I think that uh, you know, to be, to to be a good learner, we need to be honest. Yes. Yeah, me too. You know, yeah. I, I need to be honest to tell myself that I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. So, so when I when I let go of my ego, then actually I will be doing a better job in learning, and I will be able to to teach people too because I know that I'm not perfect and uh, so I will not be arrogant talking to people yeah and I think the other thing too is you really think you dissect what you don't know when I talked about like last week like learning I, I spent more time trying to figure out what I don't know than what I do know mm-hmm. and a lot of it was where am I weak at what do I need to improve on and it wasn't not because I'm like negative self-talk but it's I'm a realist I'm like okay you struggle at this you struggle at accounting mm-hmm. let's learn let's 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 focus on your weaknesses and let's really try to get that better and then if I don't know something, who do I need to ask, talk to, what resource do I need to get, what do I have to read, what do I have to watch, like, let me learn that. But again, it comes down to things that I think I'm, I'm, I'm insufficient or below average or below the level I, my expect, or below where I want to be. And then how do I bridge that gap to get me to that level or beyond? And, mm-hmm. and, and again, a lot of it is, like I said, being honest and being open and being you know, vulnerable to yourself and saying, you know what, you don't know that. Like, like go figure you can figure it out like self-talk you can figure it out but yeah. you gotta number one is admitting that you don't know something so it's like mm-hmm. i don't know that but I, it's you know gonna put me in the pathway to learn it yeah i'm learning a lot of stuff from youtube too youtube <laughs> yeah, yeah. watching youtube oh you i know, watch youtube all the time every yeah. day i've watched something already today on youtube yeah you know it's uh yeah so so i would say that if someone cannot tell themselves that uh, i have no resource to learn actually you know, probably they have to blame themselves nowadays. Google yeah. and YouTube can teach you anything on earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything on earth. And a, that's- high, a high schooler probably can become a computer programmer without going to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those things are over the place. Well, I'm, a lot of them are. Yeah. I mean, you talk about like people that come up with stuff and create stuff and it, like they learn and they figure it out. And you, you know, talk about kids learning stuff. Like, how did that kid learn that? I'm like, because he just spent, he put his time into learning it versus playing video games or whatever it might be. Or instead of just like, Playing on his phone and scrolling Instagram, he went on and learned some kind of skill that he could get for free, just as you or I could. I could become a, an expert in accounting, but I have to have the passion and I got to be able to want to do it and put the time in. You know, there takes work, but if you really focus on something, you know, there's still a skill level. You still got to be able to comprehend it, but it's still the idea that I can, I know for a fact today, if I wanted to dive into that, if I focus on 10 years of really learning accounting, I can get really good at accounting in 10 years. Oh, actually, you know, just in one year, you'll be very, very good. Hopefully. I mean, because I would rather do, like you said, rather do it in one versus not 10 years. Save the nine years. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm, I'm taking your, your, your can't stay uh, approach of like, let me just get in and get out. And I like that. So. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, position yourself as learners. So, so now mm-hmm. actually, I'm, uh, I don't treat myself like a professor anymore. You know, I have a, I have a, t- I have a job title that sounds crazy. But, but, you know, beyond the job title, it's really nothing important than students' experiences. Mm-hmm. So, so actually now actually I'm, I'm, I, I position myself as a person who put the resources together 
for somebody to learn. And I think when you start talking about like the why you do something, when I got into real estate, I talked about a means to the end because I hadn't figured out a bigger reason of real estate. To me, it was transactional. It was like, I do it, I get money, I be able to pay for stuff, to live, and that's it. And then I got to the point of, wait, I can use this platform to affect more people and affect them on a scale and be a, be someone that could bring that knowledge to make their life easier in some regard. And that's the same like your college. It's like, I'm not just teaching you the, the ABCs of accounting or the one, two, threes of accounting, but I'm gonna, like you said, package it in a bigger scale where it affects you on a broader scale than just, hey, this is how you gotta schedule your balance sheet. Because you can, at the end of the day, someone can Google how to do a balance sheet or exactly, YouTube. Exactly, yeah. You putting it in the framework of the story or making them actually learn that, that's the human element of Jason that's important. Yeah, I, I, you know, you probably don't know that uh, I spend time sometimes to go over the exam with students. Mm -hmm. But when I go over the exam with the students, I'm not just tell them this concept, you made something wrong. Actually, I sit down with this person and say, how did you study? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the root cause. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will know how this person treat the study, how this person study, and how, why this person end up in a situation like this. So I would love to actually provide them more guidance for that. I feel that that's actually more important than just the knowledge itself. Mm -hmm. So I often tell the student, I say, you know, if you remember what I tell you today and uh, to correct some of, your, some of your study habits, then you were not only good in accounting, you were being good, good in everything. Yeah. So I love to do that. But that's the parallels between life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, Jason. I, okay, this last one, I do promise we'll, we'll end okay. it here for you. So <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to Jason, um, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. But again, he's at uh, SUNY Plattsburgh. Is your office in the new Osable building now? Yeah, in the Osebo 217. And the best way to reach me is by email. Okay. Okay. And I'll I, add your email if somebody wants to reach out. Yep. I check my email very frequently. Yep. And, uh, you know, you don't, don't, don't hesitate to ask me any questions. For example, if your kids have a question about college, you know, I'll be happy to answer. Mm -hmm. And somebody want to become an uh, accountant, okay, yeah. or, or a CPA, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to give you some, some assistance. Um, and yeah, and knowing you, I know that is something you would absolutely do. And, uh, the last thing I'll leave you with is the building you're in now, they started building my last semester of school. It was the parking lot, the old oh, parking yeah. lot. Yeah. So I used to always like drive by. I've never been in the building before. Well, Still you should the, be there. Huh? Yeah. Not I, many students there now. I know I should just like, I know I could like just go walk in, but yeah. I've, I've never been there. And in my, I took all my, my classes. I took your class in, oh God. I took your class, I believe, in Red K. Yes, in Red K. It was Red K? Yeah. Because um, I, I wanted to say Hawkins. It was Hawkins or Red K, but I'm pretty sure I took... No, it was Red K. I went, you took a right, you went around the corner, and you were in the right side of the building, and there was a spot there. And I remember like you walked in, the door was on the left, the seat was in the right, and then the board was on the right of the door. Like I still remember the classroom that I took your class with. Yeah, that's a room without any windows. You're right, yes. Yep. You're right. It was just like... A, and I took your class... I think it was like late afternoon. I think it was like a 3.45 to 5 class or 3.30 to 4.45. It was one of those like, it was an hour and 15, twice a week. Um, but it was always like the late afternoon class. And I think I took it, I believe I took it in the fall. So it was kind of like you were going in, it was dark out. It was like kind of a weird thing, but you always made it upbeat. So we didn't feel like it was like, oh God, I gotta learn about accounting at, you know, when it's pitch black out. So uh, Jason, again, thank you so much. We're gonna end there. That is episode 172 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.